Hey everybody, my name is Christopher Kreider, and here we are, we are doing Triptych. This is Triptych episode, which episode is it? Oh, this is episode 16. 16. This is episode 16, we are doing the Pusher Trilogy. This is directed by Nicholas Winning Refn. Did you know that Nicholas Winning Refn was a Danish film school dropout? Oh yeah, well that, you know what else is interesting? He's an avid toy collector, in particular of Japanese robots, Doctor Who Daleks, and a replica of the Thunderbird vehicles. He once stated this great source of inspiration is Martin Scorsese and his films. As a salute to him, he used the main theme from Scorsese's Casino in the opening sequence of Bleeder. Despite directing Drive, 2011. He doesn't have a driver's license. He failed his driving test eight times. He and his wife Liv Corfixen are the subjects of a theatrical documentary called Gambler. The documentary follows the couple from their financial struggle after their failure of Fear X to the successful completion of the Pusher trilogy. He's a fan of Breaking Bad, uh, 2008. Do, do, do y'all just, are y'all just reading like the little trivia bits off of IMDb? We memorized little trivia bits off of IMDb. We were up all night doing weed, speed, cocaine and lewds to get into the character for the pusher films it's all connected to us it's like our heads are our hard drives hard to the hard drives of the hardness to our acts how how are it's literally been like only 24 hours since i last saw you guys how are you guys not dead yet from all these drugs look motherfucker i sent you a goodie bag why aren't you fucked up well i mean i am entrenched in the local music scene down here so that's my secret i've been on a perpetual secondhand tweaking high for years i've built up such a tolerance you fucking lightweights oh do i need to take i think we need to take Crowder to the hospital he's having an od i'm not ODing. i'm thirty thousand dollars in debt how the fuck are we gonna pay it off why did i do so many drugs for a fucking podcast that nobody listens to uh, i shut listen up. to it shut up you're freaking me out sam no Wait. Everybody calm down. Wait, stop listening. Everybody stop listening. Shh, 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 shh. Someone's recording the conversation. Some movies make you feel good. Some movies make you sick. But the best movies come in threes. Baby, let's take a trip to Hey, everyone. We've, uh, we, we've gone back to Earth on this one now. We're, we're not feeling it anymore. I would personally like to apologize... For Briggs's behavior. Yeah, what the fuck, Briggs? <laughs> yeah, dude. I know, I shouldn't have taken him to the detox clinic. I should have just let him, like, just fucking rampage all over this dining room studio. We see you, Briggs. You're the black Philip of this group. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're fucking snake in the grass. Fucking, fucking asshole. Yeah, dude. You, the, act, you act like the nice one, but we know. Yeah. And you call me the villain. Yeah. <laughs> That's a that's gaslighting. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I think that's textbook gaslighting. Well, speaking of gas, uh, I just well, farted. I'm out of gas. <laughs> Did you? No. Oh, okay. Thank oh, God. Thank I God. could though. We'll kick, we will kick you out of this studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as you know, we're recording in a broom closet, as we often do. Mm-hmm. It's a nice broom closet. I like the brooms. We're like Sublime when they broke into that high school to use their AV equipment to record a demo. <laughs> um, so we're terrible? We're sublime, yeah. Yeah, we're sublime. <laughs> we can podcast like a motherfucking riot. You know what's funny is like... Worst podcast. I know, yeah. There's, <laughs> but there's all these new versions where they redo the guitar solo, and it's like I've been Mandela'd where <laughs> you can't find the original shitty guitar solo. <laughs> but it's still the funniest thing. Like, check this shit out. Do, 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 do. Wow, that was awful, Bradley, and I'm a fan. <laughs> it's almost like uh, that one Mudvayne song where it's like the most brutal metal scream ever, but when he goes to scream in the video, it's just, ah. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, going to do, do another take, right? Like, no, we're out of film. 
<laughs> oh lord but uh, uh so anyway. music's not good everybody music's no. not good movies aren't good no one's made any good things ever before ever paintings are just garbage smeared onto sheepskin and unless shown off in a room unless they're done with pointillism unless they're actually that you know then that's also not art the only real art is that guy who like layers pieces of broken glass so that they look like things just don't step on it but yeah, speaking of art, it's Nicholas Winding Refn's Pusher Trilogy. Oh, man. Nicholas Winding Refn is the best Euro trash director that you've never heard of. One of the pioneers of the literally me character in film. Yeah, and these are, you know, three good examples of different literally me's. Yeah, they're all three literally us. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so if that's the case, there's three of us and three of them. Who is who? Well, obviously, I am Milo. Okay. <laughs> the sweet old, you know, balding uh, Serbian man. Hmm. Uh, dibs on Tony. Yeah. You're gonna well, make me Frank. Yeah, you're Frank, bitch. Yeah, and Briggs is Frank because he's like, you know, he's the single and he just villain. walks around causing destruction <laughs> without any want or fear, and he's constantly in really loud club environments. Yeah. <laughs> so that you know what it fits you. It fits, it fits you. you. Yeah. Honestly, you know, Briggs, wink wink, if you became a drug dealer, you'd have a perfect market wink wink. <laughs> and I'm not winking on purpose, I'm winking on accident because of all the weed, speed, cocaine, and lewds I did. Speed. He's actually having a stroke right now, so he can't control that winking. Yep. Hedges and clippers and hedges and clippers. <laughs> <laughs> but so, uh, Nicholas Winding Refn, we've, uh, like, for people who don't know, they might know him for his more popular film, Drive. Which yeah, Drive I'd say is that's probably his... his most mainstream popular one. It was the perfect moment where Ryan Gosling was just at his sexiest. That was my jumping on point for Nicholas Winding Refn. It was mine. I, yeah, me too. And um, I got into his older shit because it was kind of like this thing of, like, he was a huge art house director, mm -hmm. you know? And then when you kind of go back, you know, you realize that it's like, he kind of backed into being an art house director. Yeah. yeah, it's like the very next thing he put out was Only God Forgives, which it's like, you know, coming off of Drive, you look at the trailer for Only God Forgives, and you're like, holy shit, that looks fucking amazing. Was and it? then we saw it down in Miami. We at saw the, it at uh, O Cinema. Yeah. Well, it became O Cinema later. It was at that time, it was called the Miami Beach Cinematheque. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. And wow. I remember there weren't any, like, there was, it wasn't like a proper theater chairs. We, like, yeah. sat in, like, folding chairs on yeah. a raised sta uh, stage, essentially. Yeah, it felt like we were in a strip mall church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's I, where we saw Only God Forgives, and that's when we were like, oh, it's yeah. this kind of movie. <laughs> I loved it, personally. That's, oh, yeah, it's a great movie. That's my favorite Nicholas Winding Reffin's movies. No, and maybe it's a victim of Drive success. It, it, I yeah, think it definitely is. Because so. he was going to make that before he made Drive. And Drive was a script someone else had written that was based on a book. Mm -hmm. So it was like, he just liked the idea of a dual life of a stuntman who's also a getaway driver. Nice. So he just used that as like, you know, a vehicle. And then, and then after that, Ryan Gosling was like, what are you doing next? And he's like, well, I'm going back to Thailand to do another really low budget movie because that's what he was doing primarily. And, you know, Ryan Gosling's like, I'll be in it. It's <laughs> like, so in a way... What makes it so brilliant is like casting Ryan Gosling as a character that's a coward who gets the shit beaten out of him is pretty brilliant. And yeah. is this one of the first instances we see of him being the mostly silent protagonist also? Of Ryan Gosling? Yeah. Because yeah, I know I like in if the... that was his... 
because I know like in the wake of that, you know, like we have Blade Runner 2049 where it's like, yeah, he has way more dialogue in Blade Runner than he did in Only God Forgives. Only God Forgives, he probably has like maybe five lines in dialogue through the whole fucking thing, but... He doesn't talk much at all, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ryan Gosling before that was mostly known as being like, you know, romantic comedy lead. But he did do Gangster Squad, right? Uh, he did do Gangster Squad. Wasn't that yeah. After Drive, though? Yes, I think it was. Oh, was that After Drive? Yeah, okay. that's very, yeah, you know what? That is After Drive. I remember thinking that Gangster Squad had to be good, and then... It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was oh. like, oh, it's got a great cast, great director, great this, great that, and like, nope. That's it's... when you learn that means nothing. <laughs> yeah, and that was kind of the first time I got really exhausted with, like, Guy Ritchie-style maximalism, you know? And, of mm. course, you know, now we got the new Ryan Gosling movie to look forward to next year, Barbie. You know, it's... Oh, uh, also Gray Man from the Russo Brothers looks pretty cool. You know, He's in a... that? Yeah, he's the great man. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, it's another great Ryan Gosling movie that's kind of like the antithesis of Drive is uh, The Nice Lars- Guys. Oh, Nice Guys is fucking amazing. Yeah. It's probably... I don't think I've seen that one. Oh. It's What's-His-Name's last good movie. Who? Uh, Shane, Shane Black. Black. Shane Black's oh. last movie. <laughs> his last yeah, good right movie. Yeah, right before The Predator, he did um, The Nice Guys, which is a 70s detective throwback with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. In two oh. roles that, honestly, you would never like consider casting them in both such of roles. Them, yeah, and they both of them are the best it. that they've oh, ever been. Okay, I know the movie you're talking about. Now, I remember this coming did out. but I, No, I oh, never. Dude, I wanted to it. see. I wanted to see it, but I never got around to it. But I wish I owned it on Blu-ray. I really do. I should get it. We're going way far into the future, though. It's yeah, time to so go before, way back in time. Yeah, so before the bromance with Ryan Gosling, what was Nicholas Winding Refn doing? Well, like I said when I was earlier earlier on cocaine, he dropped out of Danish film school to make a little indie movie called did, Pusher. Did he drop out, or was it? didn't he have to make the choice whether to go to film school or to pursue Pusher? He considered that a drop. They, they considered that dropping out. Yeah, I mean, because oh, okay. he was if, like enlisted and everything. Yeah, you know? if you're enrolled uh, in it and then you just kind of like don't go to your classes, that's dropping. You drop so it he he was enrolled. He just like never went to any of his shit. Pretty much exactly. And, he doesn't. Uh, need, he doesn't need those fucking teachers, man. He's already know. He already knows everything he needs to know. Mm-hmm. And I believe his mom was Lars von Trier's editor, so he was tracked to become a respectable filmmaker. But he wanted to make movies like The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it is interesting to think about like the difference between Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Pusher because like very different on one hand, but on the other hand, very similar. Yeah. I can see that. Like they both have a very neo-realist, almost documentary style. Mm-hmm. It's very grounded in its space and its characters. And the violence comes out of nowhere and it hits hard and fast, which is something that Refn always did that I love. And yeah. it's very, very visceral too. Yeah, like you really feel violence. Like there's that scene in Only God Forgives where... Ryan Gosling slaps the glass into the guy's face and then pulls him down the hallway by his mouth. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, that's the, amazing. The, tra- the trailer shot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like the trailer really promises you a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and um, so, yeah, the Pusher movies. Uh, yeah, so, Pusher was his big indie breakout, and it was like a huge 90s success. So, like Briggs said earlier, it's like the Reservoir Dogs of Denmark, essentially. Yeah. Well, I said it earlier as in yesterday, not when we here were, on the podcast. Yeah, no, when we were watching it, he said, it's like, oh, so it's kind of like a Reservoir Dogs sort of thing. Like, yeah, it's Reservoir Dogs. It's very Scorsese-inspired as well. Even We even made the comparison to El Mariachi as well. No, yeah, a little bit of El Mariachi because it's very street-level and very location-centric. Mm-hmm. You don't get a sense of his style just no. yet. has a very DIY feel to it. No, and there are times where literally you can tell the camera 
the camera guy's like not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> like in the drive, some of the driving shots, like the camera will like slip, you know, like and yeah, and like this is a victim of certain film school things, which are like you have two pretty good actors and you're letting them riff a lot. Yeah, you know, we should. Uh, we're getting a little nitty gritty here, but um, yeah. So the Pusher trilogy, uh, we all. Got a Nicholas Winning Weapon through Drive, and back in the early days of Netflix, I would just love going down a filmography, you know? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, like, I watched every Nicholas Winning Weapon movie that was available, including Fear X, his extremely controversial third movie that has no ending because they didn't film one. That, for some reason, he still really, really likes... He's still, yeah, he gets really defensive when people say it's not good. <laughs> but, you know, I guess every artist uh, has their film that they still feel like is theirs. I don't know. It's, it's like this thing where it's like, you're allowed to say it's bad, but if someone else says it's bad, hey, it's like, fuck, fuck you. you. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've seen his, the other other two movies that I'd seen of him before watching The Pushers and then between Only God Forgives and Drive was uh, Valhalla Rising, another Mads Mikkelsen movie performance, which is which really, I, really cool. I uh, Everyone tells me I need to see it. No, it's a great hallucinatory Alejandro Hodorowsky Viking movie. Yeah. It's very... Northman is a is a more polished, fun version of Valhalla Rising in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, it's not as uh, it's not as epic looking in the in the battles. And no. what el- what else were you gonna say, Sam? You saw Valhalla Rising and, and uh, Bronson with Bronson, Tom Hardy. Great nice. movie, possibly like at least technically one of his best movies. Well, because you have an amazing Tom Hardy performance, and it's based off this true character who Tom Hardy is throwing a lot of research in. This, he's this real prisoner who is like the most violent prisoner in all of British British history, mm-hmm. and he like invented this style of working out where he could work out in really small spaces. Mm-hmm. So like they put him in solitary confinement, and he would just be getting beefed up to beat <laughs> the fuck out of the guards again the next day. Yeah. No, and like you know, after Drive, I never went back. So backwards. So I just kind of went forward from there. So like I said, we only saw God Only God Forgives, and then I remember. I don't remember if Sam was with us for this one. I know you were, Kreider. You I, saw Neon Demon with us. Yeah, I saw Neon okay, Demon. Yeah, we so all you saw were. Neon yeah, it was. It was the four of us. We had Floyd with us too. I think right. Mm-hmm. Prob- yeah. Yeah, and Neon Demon was just, oh man, that was fucking crazy. That's a pretty good one. That's, <laughs> That's his, an interesting one. That's his only female-centric movie. Yeah, and which is interesting to see, considering, I, I don't know, like, Nick Swingwinder Ruffin has an interesting, like, history when it comes to women in his movies, I'd say. Yeah, they're usually kind of like... If they're not there, then they're just kind of there. It's almost the David Mamet thing of, like, bitches, whores, and angels, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, either you're a perfect angel, or you're a bitch, or you're a whore... Sometimes you're a bitch and a whore. Yeah. Some angels, are, some whores are secretly angels, you know? But Sometimes no bitches are secretly angels. Yeah. But, uh, but no, the, the Pusher movies, though, were fun. Like, I, I really wasn't sure what to expect, especially, like, you know, going into early on in the first one. Like Kreider said, it's got a lot of, like, the film school yeah, vibe it's... to it. And I was just kind of, honestly, I was kind of in and out of the first one throughout it. But uh, when it gets going, it really gets going. It's like, oh, shit. And then from there on, like, the second one was fantastic. Like, this is a trilogy that really is on a steady incline from start to finish. Like, you have a really really good Mm -hmm. first film, an even better second film, and I would say an arguably amazing best third film. Absolutely. Fuck yeah. I love the third one the most too, which yeah. is what the director says. One of the few trilogies where in which it just gets better and better with each one. Kind of like um 
kind of like Lord of the Rings in a way. Yeah. Where it's yeah. just like, it starts awesome and just keeps getting more awesome and then ends awesome. Hell yeah. And the return of the king is Milo. Milo <laughs> is the king that returns. Absolutely. Like, it's Are you, me, no, Milo from no. the first movie. Milo isn't the king that returns. Oh, it's Muhammad. No, it's his buddy that helps him out in the end. Oh, of course. <laughs> he is indeed a king. <laughs> it's rad, Ovan. But anyways, I'm, I'm, you know, a, I was, yeah. I wasn't really sure what to expect, and I had a lot of fun with these movies. So I'm very excited to hear Sam's summaries at the oh, start God, of these yes. things, and <laughs> to really dig into these. So I guess we'll go ahead and these get summaries. Into... These summaries keep me going, Sam. Oh, <laughs> thank you, guys. So I guess let's go ahead and get into Danish Reservoir Dogs. Let's do it, Danske. <laughs> Pusher. Frank Pusher was born to push. Or was he? All around Copenhagen, he sold the sugar, and he had it all, becoming the fuckboy king of the underworld. But all's not as it seems, as it turns out as <laughs> But all is not as it seems, as it turns out his profit margins aren't reflected by his output. Made quadruply complicated when a deal of brown sugar becomes a sting operation, leaving him holding the wet, soggy bag of debt. Forced to pay off his supplier, Milo, by any means necessary, he beats his friends, kills his customers, robs his competition, and even takes money from his mother. But pissing off a crime lord isn't the worst person to piss off. That turns out to be his girlfriend, who robs him to death. <laughs> You know, I've worked so hard to not break when doing these. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. I think that's the hardest it's been to ever get through one of those. You know, they say that it's like, if it doesn't make you laugh, it's not good enough. Okay. But, uh, so My yes. sides are in orbit. <laughs> good, good. So, so Pusher, guys. Uh, quite a, a surprising film to really uh, be impressed by, in my opinion. It's it really was. Very 90s. It oh, yeah, really it is very it, 90s. It reeks of 90s. Between the nightclub scenes, the all the leopard print. And I know you're saying leopard print <coughs> is more I know you're saying leopard print is more of a 70s thing, but it was like really back and it was like bad material too. Yeah. You know, just like stretchy. Everyone's wearing stretchy leopard print pants. Honestly, you know, leopard print is 90s. I'd say snakeskin is 80s. Ugh. Gross. Polyester is seventies. I know it's gross as the past, but the only thing worse than the past is the present. I'd say brown is eighties. Brown is eighties, yes, yes. But we can't harvest brown from animals. How I long for stasis. But, uh, anyway, <laughs> it's an interesting combination. The the styles of this one because you get a com you got a combination of like. Is it post train spotting? <clears throat> It's I'll, not, is I'll, it? It's I'll look pre, it up. Is it pre? It's ninety six. Yeah. And Train Spotting came out. Train Spotting has to be like a two thousands film, right? Train Spotting. No, they were the same year. No oh, um, shit! Wow. So wow. they just they just have a very similar scene of so running down the street. Okay, yeah. so Train Spotting was in February of ninety six, and Pusher was in August of ninety six. Mm. So they were literally just months apart. It's like Dread and the Raid again. Oh yes, <laughs> but hey, unlike uh, unlike Dread, Pusher was able to succeed despite the existence of Train Spotting. No, and Pusher really Aww. was 
Even though hey, the main I love character, Red, but you know, you gotta go for my heart like that, don't you? It's my heart too. Damn it! <laughs> I'm a bigger fan of 2080 than anybody at this table. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's it's nice that the raid succeeded because that was a low budget movie. Sure. Yeah, true. But and we got the raid too out of it. You know, Danny Boyle was at one point gonna do a Judge Dredd movie. That would have been fucking sick. That would be yeah. cool. It needs like a real. It needs real people behind it to make it good. Train spotting in the world of 2080 would be interesting. Just trying to avoid <laughs> death. That's the sort of shit that you and I write, though. It's like we're just addicted to future drugs, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, pass me that octopus squeeb squab. Don't don't you bogart that jetsam joint. Just be careful, just, man. You don't want to get the club. This sounds like you guys are about to commit a crime of the future. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm eating a trash can right now. <laughs> hey, don't I'm just eating it because I'm bored. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, yeah, so, that, yeah this was crimes fun, Crimes of the though. future. <laughs> pusher. Yeah, the first pusher, um, It is. is it the first performance of Mads Mikkelsen? Yes, it is. So yeah, this is the first time we get to see Mads Mikkelsen, and it's so hilarious because he is such a fucking dork in he this one. He is such yeah. a different person. He comes up like this feels like what would happen if like Jay and Silent Bob was like really dark and gritty. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we talked about that as like a lot of the a lot of the first movie features Kim Bodnia and Mads Mikkelsen just kind of riffing mm-hmm. about like weird, gross sex stories, and it's like it's clearly improvised and like. The sometimes editing is bad. Should, sometimes you shouldn't let your actors improvise all the time. Yeah, like this movie doesn't need to be an hour and 45 minutes. No, but, yeah, we were talking how you could totally tighten this up in spots. Yeah, you could cut like a solid 10, 15 minutes out if you wanted to, but I, remember, I digress. That's not my job. Remember the old John Reese davies adage, improv is 99% crap. Yeah. <laughs> no, and this one is like, it doesn't need to be funny, so you don't even know when to stop. Mm-hmm. And, you know? and, and, it, and it's not just improv, but it's, it feels very, like, very film student improv. So yeah, it's, like, it's like, mostly I, I swearing. Came on, I came on a girl's face and she asked me to piss it clean. Yeah, it's like, very, it's <laughs> like God, God that, that, that dialogue really fucking sucks. And also, <laughs> we have bad subtitles, so it doesn't say I came on her face. It says it's, I spermed her. I which spermed just sounds, her, holy shit. It sounds infinitely more unpleasant. Yes, <laughs> the worst thing you could ever say to someone is that, it's like spermed, like I spermed. We, we said it sounds like a space alien or something. Real quick about our, uh, you know, like so we watched this on Criter's uh, DVD, and another thing about this is the resolution and like the aspect ratio oh, that we yeah. watched this on was it, very interesting. It was yeah. like a box in the middle of the screen. Yeah, <laughs> which makes me wonder if it was. It may have been sixteen millimeter. It and they just didn't been. commit to like doing a good blow up. Yeah, I guess so. I guess blowing it up would have made it look more blurry. No, it, it, already... it would have looked good if you do it right. I mean, because Texas Chainsaw Massacre was on 16. Okay, you're you right. You just have to take 10 to love and care, man. Which I guess, uh, you know, sometimes when you're an artist, you don't want to... As, we, as we'll discuss it in the second one, you know, I guess he didn't really want to take... Really do too much to go back to his old work. Well, that's like... So, Nicholas Winning Rafan is like he's... He reminds me of Luc Besson in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like classic Luc Besson before the science fiction shit really took over. Mm-hmm. You mean the and, brain worms? Yeah, the brain worms. <laughs> <laughs> Did he eat raw pork? Yeah, uh, maybe. Because that's how you get brain worms. Uh, uh, I guess that's why his movies suck now. That's why I don't eat at Pollo Tropical. <laughs> what happened to you, Luc Besson? You used to be le professional. Yeah. He ate at Pollo Tropical. That's what happened. Oh, God. Oh. 
Now, and um, so this is like a very Euro trash '90s movie. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like what is what I really love about these films and like a lot of Euro uh, crime films is that they do not glamorize crime at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is like Train Spotting meets Sopranos meets Mean Streets meets Lockstock with, in with, a way with yeah. some very strong hints. Of, well, I mean, obviously they didn't have it at the time, but in retrospect very strong Grand Theft Auto 4 vibes. Yeah, the, all yeah. these movies, especially the second one where you're where he's starting to work at a Grand Theft Auto garage. Yeah. Like, yeah, they do remind me of Grand Theft Auto and um Well, I'm saying specifically 4 because 4 you have uh Nico as the protagonist oh, yeah. in it. You mm-hmm. have the real scummy like Eastern European gangsters that are just like total sketchy fucking assholes. But they also try and be like chummy and like, come on, let us go bowling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nico! <laughs> Did you guys ever see um, The Drop with Tom Hardy and James Gandolfini? No. That's an excellent uh, crime movie. It and sounds it. Yeah, it's... um. It's written by Dennis Lehane, who did like Shutter Island and mm-hmm. uh, Gone Baby Gone. Oh fuck! And it's an it's one of my favorite crime movies ever. Nice. And uh, I think the director actually is Danish, but he's not. It's not a Danish movie. It takes place in Brooklyn. Obviously. Okay, interesting. I'd but have to uh, check that yeah, out. everybody check out the drop if you want to see something that reminds me a lot of Pusher. You know, it's more of an American take on Pusher. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did find that there are two remakes of Pusher. <laughs> So, yeah. like, there is a version of this podcast where we just did three versions of the same movie. <laughs> and uh, I remember we watched the we watched the, the trailer. So, there's two remakes. So, you have the original from Denmark. The next one is a Bollywood remake yep. that pretty much looks beat for beat exactly what the Danish film is, except just way shittier production value. Well, it's like, because as low budget as Pusher is, it's still shot on film, which lends it a level of... You know, mm-hmm. quality. And this looks like shot on video. Like yeah, were, Bollywood was clearly the Bollywood one was clearly shot on digital video in early two thousand. So I, it looks I bad. mentioned I mentioned how it reminded me of like the Nigerian action films you see people memeing on uh, Captain on Alex, like, yeah, type of thing. <laughs> yep. and, this, but, uh, and it looks like a fake trailer too, like because yeah. it shows you all the like like a lot of the highlights from the original Pusher. But it just shows like, you every highlight. Yeah, but then it also shows you stuff that doesn't happen. Yeah, like his dad. He has a dad who apparently gets shot yeah. in the Bollywood version, and it's a pretty grisly gunshot too—just a big old shotgun to the stomach. Yeah, that's a Takashima K kill. Um, but then there's, I think, from 2012, I think it was. There's a mm-hmm. uh, an English remake. Yeah, ten years old, where they bring back uh, Milo's actor to play the same character, and then just recast everyone else, and it looks way more action-packed and fast-paced. It's also <laughs> funny to me because the, the lead who plays Frank in that one is, uh, if, if anybody who like knows, uh, Coupling. It's Jeff from Coupling. And, you know, he's just a party animal on that show. He's kind of the, the fun character. Mm-hmm. I like to imagine that this is a dramatic, dark continuation of his character. And he <laughs> got in deep with the wrong people as as, it, as it's hinted in, that, in the show. Wasn't he also in that episode of Spaced where he, like, switched bags with... Um, Jessica Stevenson and it was like a terrorist or something and they had like a Matrix parody? No, 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 no. I think that's somebody else. Are you sure? I don't know. I'll, I'll double check, but I don't think so. I'm 90% sure that he was in Spacid. Okay, I'll go check. <laughs> I could be wrong. But yeah. Was he in the Life on Mars? Or is that fucking the Hobbit dude? I don't Too many know. fucking white people. <laughs> But uh, the English one looks pretty cool. I would be down to... I, well, I really want to check out the Bollywood one, I want to watch them all. And yeah. we were thinking we could just do 
Those two, and then we watched Push starring Chris Evans. Because <laughs> yeah. I used to think that they were the same thing. A real right hook there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Turns out Push was about the ability to influence people's minds. Yeah, that. That's a great movie where it's like, shoot yourself in the face. It's okay. Your gun's not loaded. And they're like, okay. Bam. You remember that? No, I didn't. I didn't see Push. Oh, you never saw Push? No, I looked yeah. stupid. <laughs> it's pretty good, though. Honestly, it predates a lot of modern superhero movies so it had like an interesting vibe to it where it was like a it's shot like push pusher you know it's very street level style but it's Mm -hmm. all like about these like battles between different superpowered entities hmm interesting but uh yeah so pusher we got frank who is a fucking asshole oh yeah yeah, he sucks (laughs) and it's like part of his hang-up is that he's got a girlfriend who is a prostitute or a champagne girl she calls it well i was i was reading up on this film uh Really quick, uh, that actor, uh, he's not in either of those things that you listed, Kreider. He's not in Life on Mars? No. Or Spaced. Okay. Richard Coyle is his name, by the way. Look it up. No. But um, <laughs> um, I was reading after the fact, and apparently she's not even his like actual legit girlfriend. Like he's, She's just like a chick that he like fucks around with every once in a while mm-hmm. and she wants a serious relationship with him and he because he's a fucking asshole piece of shit and she like, tries to be with him like you know mm-hmm. she's like could you drive me and my dog is getting an operation yeah oh, could you go talk to that weirdo that keeps leering at me across the street and, and he's, he's, away? yeah he doesn't her want her down <laughs> yeah he doesn't want her to commit and he's also like i can't fuck i can't fuck her because she's a prostitute it's all uh, well that last point aside it's almost like uh that one episode of American Dad, the hurricane episode, where you have Roger with the clingy fucking one night stand. The Kristen and... Shaw character. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, we're going to have lots of babies. Oh, no. <laughs> she's wearing his hoodie and she's like, it smells like us. Uh, <laughs> and he's just like, so like, not into it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, um, Roger. But no, this was, uh, <clears throat> this was fun once it really gets going. Like, we're introduced to uh, a Swedish character. They they just call him the Swede, I think, and uh, he he's looking for yeah, brown like, sugar. Yeah, he's, he wants a shitload of heroin. Oh yeah, right. Because it's like, like Frank up, is mostly a coke guy, mm-hmm. and and it's like up until this point, we've real. It's really just been Hanging Frank out. and Tony just kind of broing around and improving badly the whole way. Going so it's to like clubs and uh, play knife fighting at one yeah. point. Like, yeah, yeah, like they. Oh, and there there is the one uh, drug deal where um, they uh, the one guy wants a certain amount, doesn't have enough money for it, so he like reaches into the bag and like scoops out like a whole bunch, of, like yeah. most of it, <laughs> but like not enough, you know, because mm-hmm. the guy's fucking around with him. But um, so when they're introduced to the Swede, that's our first real plot point. Like it's our inciting incident, and it just about thirty minutes in. It just fucking goes from there. Like, we're introduced to Milo. Yeah, he goes to Milo, who he's already 50,000 kroner in debt to. And he, like, essentially takes a loan for, like, 200,000. And these are, these movies are really complicated because you're constantly paying off the people that, you know, are, so it's like, you know, you're making deals to make deals to make deals, you know, and you're, like, constantly trying to pay off your debts with other debts, you know, and it's really... I don't think it was 50000 I think it was, like, 5000 No, he owed him no, 50000 no, He, he owed him 50000 and I think he wanted, like, I think... Uh, like $130,000 yeah. worth of... or kroner worth of heroin. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and the, then, and the yeah. whole caveat is that the guy... So, 
he meets with the Swedish guy, says he wants all this shit by tomorrow. Frank's like, no, I need at least like two, three days to do this. So I think uh, going to Milo and be like, yo, I need this tomorrow kind of adds to that debt. It's like, okay, I'll give it to you, but this is what the deal is going to be. And so it's a set deal. And he's like, okay, I got the I got the heroin now. And he goes to meet with the guy, and it just does and Milo, not go according to plan. Milo is so nice. He really is just like this kind of like dad dude. Yeah, he's like, sure, you know, yeah, he's some a, of my cooking. And like the and cooking is awful, good. which is a, that's Chekhov's cooking. But, uh, you know, and it's like. Yeah, I'll help you with this heroin deal, but you have to help me with this like refrigerator that I got for my daughter. <laughs> so, like that's like a whole comedy of manners and like in a way it kind of reminds me of um there's a British director named Mike Lee, uh-huh, who is the king of what you call kitchen sink realism, mm-hmm. which are just movies about people living, you know, in fucking South London or shit and it just sucks. You know? oh. <laughs> and it's like it's like slice of life, but it does it just kind of focuses on you know, shit that you parts. don't normally focus on, like the kitchen sink. So it's the everything. Mon- the mundanity of just yeah, the living. mundanity of crime, and like that's what's really cool about these is that you know crime sucks. Yeah, crimes. It's like crime any sucks. other job in a lot of ways. You're it's always just this in one a- involves murder. Well, no, not just that, but you're also always in debt, and you're yeah. always going off of word of mouth. You're always going off of handshake deals. Nothing is in writing. If you're in debt. Oh, it's never enough. Yeah, and you it, gotta, if you're if you're a day late, guess what? They're gonna up the debt even more. <laughs> I know, and like, there's a, at one point he's trying to. So yeah, so he's getting he gets all the heroin, and he's going to the Swede, and they get pulled up on by a couple of cops. Train spotting chase. He mm-hmm. runs into a lake and dumps out all the heroin. Yep. And when he's behind, and when he's in jail, there, which they're it's, trying to. Um, it's more prison. Was in prison. Yeah, it's it's like a holding cell. Yeah, temporary holding. There's a difference between jail and prison. Which apparently, yeah, and they talk about how it's like you can only hold him for 24 hours if you haven't charged him with anything. Yep. And they're trying to get him to break by saying that his friend Tony dropped the dime on him. And And it's important to note also in the chase, he opens up the, he dives into like what he thinks I guess is a body of water, but it's like fucking shin deep or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But he tries to swim for it. But. The important bit, though, is that he opens the bag and empties all the heroin into the water. So it's gone forever now. Yeah, that clearly <laughs> wasn't his plan. He just kind of wanted to like, yeah. keep going. It's like, was... it's, almost, it's like in Goodfellas when uh, when they're, they're getting raided at the end and Karen just takes the cocaine that was very well hidden and just flushes it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, like, you killed me! They weren't going to find it! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why did you do that? These all these movies kind of remind me of the sustained mania of the last third of Goodfellas. Rest in peace, Ray Liotta. Rest in peace, bro. Yeah. Ever since I was a little kid, I always wanted to be Ray Liotta. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so they they got him in holding. They're trying to fuck with him, saying that his uh his friend Tony uh, which which like, Sam, you guys think that the, Tony didn't drop the dime on him. Well, we never do get confirmed on that, so it's kind of open-ended on if he actually did or didn't. It's a common police tactic to be all like, hey, your friend, uh, you know, he ratted on you. But they had the signature and everything. Is that also fake? Well, I mean, yeah, you can just... Does he notice? He he doesn't know what a signature looks like. Does he even... Does Tony even have a signature? You're right. (laughs) Hey, Tony just writes an X because he can't read. Yeah, exactly. have written some scribbles and said hey this is your friend's uh handwriting it right is here. so funny that like the it's not a n- crime the dorkiest most fucking like unfuckable dude in this one is mads mickelson 
It's like he, before he was your daddy, he was just another fuck boy. He looks like uh, he's like alien from uh, Spring Breakers. <laughs> James Franco. Yeah, James Franco's character. <laughs> Yeah, but with no hair and a tattoo that says respect on the back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he has a tattoo that says respect on the back of his head. It's he's so got like funny. The, the gaudy, like, orange windbreaker and yeah, sunglasses. No, these, oh, they're so Euro trash. It's kind of delightful. Mm-hmm. They're just like the guys that you would buy ecstasy from at, like, a nightclub, you know, in the 1990s. But it's, like, probably really bad ecstasy and you're not going to have a good time. It's probably re- <laughs> speed laced with rat poison, which I have done. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, but it doesn't stop Frank Makes from you pee blood. Doesn't make Frank doesn't stop Frank from being pissed off at Tony and then just beating, beating him. the shit out of him we, with a we, bat. We get our first true Nicholas Winding Refn staple here. With yeah, which just, is walking into a place and beating someone half to death while everyone else watches. Like, <laughs> and it's like super visceral, like just out of nowhere explosion of violence. No, like, yeah, I just want really the Asian shocked. police guy from Only God Forgives to be like. If there are women in here, cover your eyes. The men, what you watch carefully. <laughs> Nobody does anything. Nobody. Just, everybody just kind of like sits patiently until it's over. Yeah, which I kind of like because that's probably how a lot of people would react, you know, because mm-hmm. they can't do anything. Not, everybody, not, do not anything. everybody has a cell phone, you know. Yeah. I like how there there's uh, the one pe- the one table in the back uh, when he's wailing on him with the baseball bat that says something and he gets in their face just like, yeah. hey, "You want to do something? You want to say something?" I know. He's like, "Hey, calm down, man." He's like, "You want some of this?" <laughs> I like how in the corner you got the one guy like clutching his drinks <laughs> close to him. <laughs> It's yeah. like it's like in Jurassic World when the uh, when the main area is getting besieged by all the pterodactyls and you see the one guy at Margarita. He's just holding his... two margaritas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! I, oh man, my hamburger in Paradise hasn't even arrived yet. Fuck my, it! Some shit's going down. Protect the booze. Waste <laughs> it away in Margaritaville. But yeah. um. But and uh, he he beats the shit out of Mads Mikkelsen too. Yeah, like, no, and like presumably to death, but obviously not because he comes back in the second one. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and then after that he just gets to go. He, he's forced to see Milo, and he's told his debt is huge. And then it just becomes just goes off the rails. Well, because yeah, he keeps desperate. he keeps dodging out on these meetings with Milo because of the debt. Well, and it just kind of makes it worse because it's like a disrespectful well, thing. Well, no, so he goes to Milo first just to kind of try to clear the air with him. And it's like, okay, yeah, after this he's is, been arrested and everything. This is, this is your debt now. It's like uh, it's like 180,000 kroner plus the 50,000. Yeah. And Milo doesn't believe him that he's been arrested either. He's like, because like the paperwork? heroin's gone. Where's the money? Yeah, the money and the drugs are gone. You got arrested and were charged with nothing. Okay. So they, didn't, they didn't give you paperwork if you were uh, weren't charged. But anyway, so let's not gloss over the best character in the movie which is milo's right hand man radavan exactly and so he's like okay i can go out i can get some uh, i know some people who owe me some money i'll go get it from them okay cool radavan's gonna go with you yeah i think he actually asked for radavan to come with him. oh he does yeah because radavan is a big bald badass yeah he looks kind of like the bald dude from the dirty dozen what's his name um i don't know you know, the scary, like... It's been a minute since I watched The Dirty Dozen, but... He, he actually murdered somebody in real life? So, like, they, these are these are just, like, total, like, Serbian, sketchy scumbags. I know, and they do that thing where it's like, they're really nice. It's like, yes, yes, of course. You know, and then you put a bag over his head. It's like, you fucked me! You fucked me, Frank! It, I'm pretty sure they're Russian, because the Russian flag is hanging in the back. 
Maybe I, I was re- I, when I was reading it said that Milo was Serbian. Isn't so. really, but isn't okay. Serbia like a weird like partially incorporated thing? Oh yeah. But any, like, anyway, you, know, you so. can be Span- you can speak only Spanish and be an American. That's so techni- so technically, since Milo is the main character of the third one, technically the third pusher is a Serbian film. Yeah, and it's also uh, the perfect example of it's they, also the perfect example of how antagonists are uh, their powers limitless. And protagonist power is severely limited. And they set the baby up in part two. Well, we'll get there. Delicious, delicious baby. <laughs> like, we'll get there eventually to discuss but, uh, <laughs> those points. <laughs> but any, anyway. It's so. better to eat a baby than do what they did. Yeah. Because... But anyway, so Rat- Radovan goes with uh, Frank to collect from this junkie. And it's such a... F- it's I think... so depressing. It's like, it looks like just a bombed out <laughs> building that they're in. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, you don't have the money? You can rob a bank then get the money for us. Here's yeah, they a gun. give him a shotgun, well, which is loaded. Yeah, yeah, apparently. He just pulls it out of a shopping bag, and it's like they start ta- talking about... And it's like, I love how Frank, though, kind of has the voice of reason. Cause He's it's like, like, hey, man, come he on. Can't, he, can't, he can't rob a bank. And they're like, hey, give him a rail or something before he can go to give, get him hyped up. It's like, no, he gets nothing until we get the money. <laughs> so, yeah, he just fucking... At first, he tries to pull, turn the gun on them, and Radovan beats the shit out of him and is like, we, we both have guns. If you shoot one of us, the other one's going to kill you. Yeah. You know, so then the guy just is like, okay, he fucking blows his own brains out. Yeah. It's like, cool, Frank. Splat. Well, good job. And then they get nothing, and Radovan's like, easy come, easy go. You know, I really want to be a pizza man. Yeah, he talks about how he wants to own a restaurant or something. and That's what I really like about Radovan is that he's a professional when he has to be that, but he is really just a nice guy that just wants a different life. No, and he's very nice to Frank. He's constantly giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, he's always giving him advice and whatnot. Come on, man. Milo's going to get on my case. He's going to be like, where's the money? Why don't yeah, you have dude. the money now? You said <laughs> you get the, the money. money? Why and aren't I, you getting the money now? And I love, too, how it's like after they part ways, it's like, hey, so you're going to tell milo what happened today right and so like, yeah yeah don't worry about it and he just doesn't <laughs> no he does but he's also like you're supposed to come and meet us you know oh yeah yeah like we're supposed to like maintain communication here so i know you're not fucking me and frank is trying too hard to get all the money and he does get 50 and he doesn't come to come to milo immediately because like he's robbing peter to pay paul literally yeah he just goes to this rival drug operation which he already owes money to that's run out of a gymnasium yeah <laughs> and it's a cool moment where like he robs them and as he's walking out he's like that guy robbed me and he pulls out the two guns he's like what you gonna do i'm holding two guns which in 1996 is the deadliest thing you can do mm. yeah chow yun fat proved that in hard-boiled a few years earlier <laughs> yeah. yes <laughs> Which, of course, we have all seen here. Yeah. Yep. Don't fuck around with me, Frank Pusher Jr. <laughs> I still really want to do an early Chow Young Fat trilogy one day. Oh, we will. We'll get there. I mean, an early John Woo trilogy, right? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. same shit, because he, he's in the first three Tomato, also, tomato. So, yeah. <laughs> Lettuce, ketchup. Yeah, so uh, meanwhile, in the background, like his girlfriend's life is just falling to pieces. I know, yeah, like, there's a pervert stalking her. Her mm-hmm. dog is sick and needs surgery. And then dies. And then yes. dies, yes. <laughs> so it's and like... Her, she, her boyfriend is an asshole. <laughs> and it's like, he, he's just kind of like, like, he's like pushing her away the whole time. Like, yeah, no, I can't. <gasps> That's why like, it's called pusher. It's not because he pushes drugs. It's because he pushes away the people closest to him. Oh, shit. <sighs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. It's like he, it's like he just doesn't give a shit about this girl or her problems. He's not, she's not his girlfriend. I know. And like at one point he's doing a drug deal and he's like, take a bus home. 
Yeah, I have to take a cab. And then I think it's actually on the way to the the dead dog, I think. Yeah, yeah, because yes. they're going to the, visit the dog in the hospital and then the and, dog dies. And that's a great and this is a this becomes an even better scene too because this is when Milo and Radovan or no, when Radovan and his yeah. lackey come up and find him. Before and, that, there's like a woman he's trying to get more drugs yeah, from. Yeah, he's trying to get drugs he's from He's trying this to woman. get a bunch of drugs to make another sale. And it turns out the drugs aren't drugs. Yeah, they're baking powder. <laughs> but he also has a bag of lactose. And so he acts, he, first he gives them the lactose. And they're like, that's lactose. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Here's the drugs. <laughs> and then that's baking powder. And they're like, "You, what Here. kind of fucked up game are you playing, man? And eventually they... And uh, then he goes and beats the shit out of her. And she's like, oh, I was at my boyfriend's house. And then she starts going to beat the shit out of the boyfriend. And that's when she admits, like, no, I, your, your drugs are in Amsterdam. It's like, they're not even in the country. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> fuck. And that's when... Uh, and Milo's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to kill you now. Yeah. You know? he, <laughs> they, just, they start torturing the shit out of Frank. Like, yeah, they, they're electrocuting him. They do the thing where they pull the cord out of the lamp and they electrocute his nipples. Yeah, just poor chafe nipples. They just yeah, beat he, the shit out of him. But then he does a really cool move where like one of them has the gun in his trousers. So well, he like, pulls the trigger on the gun while it's in the trousers. Well, they, ha- they have him and it looks like, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to like force his hand down the garbage disposal or no, something. No, no, no. They, or... get a, they get giant like wire cutters. Oh, oh yeah. They're right. going to the cut off one of his off. fingers. They the, yeah, they got the bolt cutters. They're going to cut fingers off and yeah, that's when he grabs the gun and shoots Apparently, the guy. Apparently Milo decided to go all fucking Yakuza on Frank. Remember Wolf of Wall Street? Oh, yeah. No, I don't remember. Uh, they dangle the dude out of the roof because he stole from there. No. Oh, shit. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, and he's out on his own now, like, frantically trying to get money wherever he can. He goes to his mom, gets money from her because, you know, he's a fucking scumbag. I know, and she, she's the only, like Sam pointed out, she's the only good mother in all of these. Yeah, there's not a lot of mothers in this trilogy, but she's the only one that, like, No, there, there are not. Her. There's a lot of motherfuckers. Yeah. You have a you have a good mother, a shitty mother, and a dead mother. <laughs> yeah, and so and we we observe this, which is that these movies are different points in maturity. Mm-hmm. So this first movie is about a guy who can't commit to a girl. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. it's that simple. And then we'll get into what the next one's about. But we'll yeah, get into, like, we'll get into all of them about to back up this. Theory. So yeah, and so he's he's screwing over everybody. He finally gets some extra money, and he's like talking to his girlfriend, like, "What if we just leave?" Yeah, you know. It's like, where do you want to go? And she's like, oh, fucking, he's being nice. Let's go to Spain. He's like, okay, we'll go to Spain. And then we'll go to this club for more money. Yeah, we, yeah, he's doing one last, one last drugs. drug deal, one last and, push. And it's you know, the most Nicholas Winding Refn club that we'll that we've seen. Yeah, but it doesn't count because well, it's just a existing location. Don't we? Don't we also before we get to the club, we have another confrontation between Frank and Radovan. Oh yeah, he hits Radovan with a. Toilet lid. Because they're they're talking about this hotel where he's got money or drugs stashed or something, and only he can, only Frank can access it or something. Yeah, and and the bellboy, the bellhop who can get him in there is not there, so like he needs the money right now. So he just breaks out and yeah, he hits Radovan over the head, and then this is the dumbest part of the whole thing because like after he's made the deal in the nightclub and everything, Milo calls him. He's like, "Oh man, everyone's talking shit, man. Everyone's talking shit about us. It's bad for you. It's bad for me." How much money do you have? And he's like, I got like 70000 He's like, all right, yeah, just bring that to me and we're even. <laughs> and like, Frank's like, oh, cool. That's awesome. This all worked out. Even though he's already screwed over like five other people. Yeah. <laughs> and he you has know? one more being like, hey, fuck you, bitch. We're not going to Spain. Yeah, he goes back to Vic and he's like, oh, what am I going to do in Spain? We're going to stay here. It'll all be fine. So she takes his money. 
Yeah. Runs, runs. away. <laughs> she gets into a cab. And she's gone forever. Whistled for a cab when it came near. License plate said fresh and it had Dyson in the mirror. If anything, I could say that this cat was rare, but I said, nah, forget it. Yo, Holmes to Bel Air. <laughs> so, yeah, so she leaves. Frank has no money, no drugs, and the camera literally circles around him as like all these people, like Milo is laying down plastic in the kitchen because they're going to kill him. The workout bros are all getting gunned up because they're going to find him <laughs> and kill him. And it's like, like Kennedy, he's going to be the most murdered man in history. <laughs> the Jim Bro thing especially just sounds hilarious to me. That's sounds like very a, close enough yeah, regular like show. Close enough. <laughs> you know it would be great though is like everyone comes to fight him and then like they start shooting at each other and he just jumps on the ground, you know? Oh, just okay. crawls away just while they're shooting a at each other. Bunny scene. Yeah, it's like whoa. But yeah, that's that's pusher, and that's pretty good, man. It's like yeah. it does build up sort of the Nicholas Winning Refn narrative, which is like a man against the world, you know, like it's, a predatory world. There's another great scene that we totally forgot to say. Oh, it's when that? he's like robbing a bunch of like he's not even robbing. It's guys that owe him money. Okay, he's going to guys that owe him money. It's at a like bunch a, of like, like a mechanics junk shop and, and junk a, a, shop people, and it's like, where's my money? It's like, why don't you just call me, man? I could have sold all this junk for money. You can <laughs> take it if you want. Yeah, you gonna carry it? And so he just picks up a fucking a box of a shit, bo- and like a stereo a cyclist. Like a, yeah, <laughs> and it looks like, like a hey, random cyclist too. I know. I do want. It, it's got to be staged. Because well, like, it, even if it's not staged, you can rest assured. The Bollywood one is very staged. Yeah, the Bollywood one is clearly like, hey. <laughs> there was a TV lightly at the front wheel. It's interesting when you deliberately do something that is like kind of unintentional. Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah, this one also sets up Mads Mikkelsen's obsession with karate. Oh. <laughs> he's, a lot like, he's a lot like Mac in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> He really is just like the, the, the nutball like sitcom best friend that you have. You know, if you added that music, it would work really well. The whole... We should do a super cut of Pusher with sunny music. Yeah. <laughs> that would work too well. <laughs> it, would, and it, it would work well. Oh my god, with, guys. It, that's it, the American remake. Matt... Fucking Rob McElhenney plays, plays Tawny. <laughs> we get fucking Charlie Day to be Frank. And we get Danny DeVito to be Milo. No, no, no. Uh-uh. Who do you think? Do you think um, Dennis is Frank? Yeah, Dennis is Frank. Yeah, because then it's like, <laughs> I am untethered and my rage knows no bounds. He's a, pe- he's a piece of shit to women. You're right. No, you're right. That is, I couldn't, I'm just, uh, Glenn Howerton. Yeah. Glenn Howerton. Then you have, uh, you have, um, what's her name that plays D? Um, Caitlin she, Olsen? She's clearly the, the neglected girlfriend. Yeah, she could be Vic, yeah. Because they're not really sisters. And then, yeah, you got Danny DeVito as Milo. <laughs> And the waitress can be, the the waitress and Charlie can be oh and uh, that girl from the second agree from the second one. No, uh, uh-uh. uh, Charlie is Radovan, <laughs> the well hey, dude. the well-meaning psychopath, <laughs> and the junkie that kills himself is obviously Cricket. <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> I thought oh, it was gonna man. be one of the um, what are, what are the weirdo twins? No, the McPoyles. Yeah. <laughs> No, the McPoyles would be, um, yeah, those are the weird Serbians. <laughs> Who would Pondy be? Which one's Pondy? The fucking weirdo, drug-addicted friend of Danny DeVito. Like, he he was straight-laced. Like, uh... Oh, he'll play the same character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, uh, oh, he's he, he would be uh, Kurt the Cunt, I think. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> but, oh, uh, wow. Really opening it up. 
That would be funny as hell. (laughs) Honestly, it wouldn't be that different from the episode where they find all the cocaine in the speaker and they have like three days to pay. The gang gets whacked, part one and two. It's essentially that. That's what. That's what it would be. I know. I know that these guys are listening. So hey, do it. Yeah, you know. Hey, you guys should. You guys should listen to the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast because those guys are really struggling. Why don't you give them a break for once? Yeah, come on. There's only so much money. Thank, you're welcome, Rob Rob McElhenney, Glenn Howard, and Charlie Day. It's nice that you guys could catch a break for once. Yeah. You got mentioned, you're good people. You got mentioned by Team Insomniac. So another thing, another similarity to Texas Chainsaw Massacre I noticed is there's not really much of a score in this. No, this one is almost all diegetic music. Yeah. But it will sometimes use like nightclub music in other scenes. Oh yeah. Yeah, because a lot of scenes where they're going into nightclubs and like most of the, and the it's just the music of that scene that is being done. And these I, are interesting because they do have a theme song, which is this kind of almost shipping out to Boston. You know, I think there's one scene at least where there is a score, and that's uh, when they're like pay, they're they're playing with knives and shit. That's still, yeah, but that I think that's think pre-existing music well? that they're just letting take over, you know. Okay. But yeah, I don't think I don't, I would be surprised if any music was written for the movie, but maybe the theme song was. Maybe. Maybe. That that'd be an interesting thing to look into. The opening uh, that these movies have is really cool. Is like these top-down lighting of introducing each character. Oh by yeah, yeah. introduce the significant characters, which is really cool because it's like there's something interesting very, about very theater-esque, very theater-esque, and it's also like just kind of showing your you your players that will be significant, you know. And it's also not the full like face. It's kind of like because it's what you call skull lighting, right? Yeah, skull shading because it's just cool. like high, it's a uh, you know like since the light's coming from up top. The eyebrows cover your eyes and then like show off your gauntness of your features as well. Very like, interesting stuff. Hold, hold like a lot of shadow under the nose. You're just very skull looking when it's when you're lit like that. Nice. I remember another thing we thought was funny was <laughs> the uh, the title cards for every day. And there, it's all the weird Danish, yeah. Danish versions of the days of the week. <laughs> Thursday is Thor's dog. Uh, and I think Wednesday was Undog. <laughs> what a what a language. What's on dog? Not much dog. What's on with you? Mon dog, two's dog, happy dogs. <laughs> yeah, was it called? Was it released as Happy Dogs? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. There are no happy days in Denmark. Yeah. Anyway, let's rate this shit. Hell yeah! I give this a uh, you know for its its good play. You know, it looks neat. It's got a good plot when it gets started, but it's got a bit of dead air when it comes to, you know, like characters and the improv. Mm-hmm. So I give it a 6 out of 10. I'm going to go 7 out of 10. It's a good first effort all around. Mm-hmm. That's a little rough around the edges and spots, but you can see greatness like kind of simmering beneath it all. So yeah, I'm going to go 7 out of 10. No, and it's yeah, this is important. This is the uh, El Mariachi of Nicholas Winning Refn's Ovier. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with 7 out of 10. Um, I enjoy it more with you guys, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you were talking about you were kind of worried early on. Like, oh, God, did I... Did I make Briggs watch a shitty art house movie? <laughs> Cause yeah, like, like I did with Bakshi. <laughs> like, I, I, I was I was out really late the, the night before we watched these movies, so I was kind of in and out throughout this one. Like, even though I got a, a shit ton of sleep, we didn't meet up until, like, about 11 or so... And I got like a ton of sleep the night before, even still. But uh, it's all that moshing. I didn't even mosh. 
Yeah, it's all that moshing. <laughs> Too much moshing. Too yeah. much mosh. But um, so but. you know, is uh, this is this is good. But you know, it's really good. Is a uh, pusher two yeah, with, yeah. with say, blood on my hands. Because like as these movies, you know, like while Briggs wasn't too impressed by the first one, these movies just keep getting better and wake them up as we see in Pusher Two. Yeah, alrighty. Like the like Pusher Two, I was kind of like a little like half and half like on the beginning, but like halfway through, like I was into it. So I'm looking forward to talking this one. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll get that. <laughs> Pusher 2. Tani Pushtarano is the unfortunate son returning to his crime kingdom, run by his cold and disappointed father, the Duke. But his father's not the only one that hates Tani. Everyone from his friends, their friends, his co-workers, his baby mama, and even people he's never met don't like him. Deep in debt with all of them, he tries to earn his way back into their okay graces by stealing cars and dealing dope. The latter of which goes wrong thanks to some stupid Kurt that pins it all on him. Now, deep in debt and depression, he files for bankruptcy by stabbing the slate clean and taking his baby on the road. Luckily, it turns out that after growing his hair, he becomes really good at poker and starts over anew, Mr. Bond. (laughs) I'm going to become the boss. In fact, I will be the chief. And everyone will call me Le Chief. <laughs> what does Le Chief mean? And is he French or uh, Belgian? Who knows? I don't know. But uh, yeah, this was uh, like I said. This, this one, this one's amazing. This one's a huge leap in quality. Absolutely, oh, yeah. like. And it is eight years later, so hopefully. <laughs> and he really only made this because he had to. Yeah. Like, so he did Bleeder as a follow-up to Push, which is supposed to be like a really cool Shakespearean kind of like revenge drama mm-hmm. that also features like you know a lot of personal stories about growing up in Denmark. Something that this movie also is very similar to. Yeah, and you can't, but you can't find Bleeder anywhere. But it does have the whole cast of Push Pusher coming back. And then he did Fear X, which was written with Hubert Selby Jr. of uh, Last Exit to Brooklyn fame. And they didn't film the ending because they ran out of money. And he somehow ended up eating all the debt. <laughs> For the failure of the movie, because yeah. he was the production company. How does man? That's gotta. That's gotta be a real mess in accounting there somewhere. Because uh, like, he probably, maybe he made his own decisions at some point cause financially. Because the, the debt's supposed to go to the company and not to the person who owns the company. Well, maybe he's trying to save the company. Maybe. So yeah, because like it's still these are still NWR. It's still his production company that did Fear X. Yeah, but you should be you should be able to like. Like not go personally bankrupt when your studio or your company does well doesn't do well. Like you, could, there, there's business well, bankruptcy. Though. Maybe Danish banks are like the opposite of Swedish banks. Not well kept. Yeah, they rob you. Oh. Instead of like helping you rob other people. Unfortunate. Yeah, Swiss Swiss banks. I meant. Oh yeah, Swiss banks. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Do you guys ever see Wolf of Wall Street? <laughs> I did like once, and it's it was really, really good. good. It's a great movie. I honestly saw that with my mom, and that was, that was like, uh, I didn't think there would be this much nudity. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, my mom works in finance, and she was like, ooh, I remember when this was happening. <laughs> and then she was like, yep, I remember that. It's like, <laughs> it's like, what, the whores? She's like, yeah, I used to get like a stipend for the whores that I didn't use. <laughs> wow. But anyway, that's not real. <laughs> that's fictional. 
<laughs> wink, but, wink. Uh, <laughs> you know what's not fictional is Pusher 2 with blood on my hands. It's a weird subtitle. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, I totally forgot that that subtitle exists. I do like that for the sequels, the two and the three are lines of cocaine and or speed and or rat poison. And then on the the menu of the DVD, the it's also shown off in razor blades. Yeah, you have razor blades as the selection tools. Yeah. When you like special features, you pick it with a razor blade. You remember when DVD? You remember when menus like used to be like fun? I remember when menus used to be frustrating, where you'd like have to press the right thing to be taken to the menu. <laughs> oh yeah, like the uh, like the James Bond DVDs, where it's like, please activate this shit, and it's or like, like Rocky Horror. You have to like choose something or. Uh, there are also those menus that have like a minute long animated opening that you have to kind of sit through patiently. Yeah. Do you remember the Kung Pao one where they talk about it like they're yelling at you? So like, make a selection. I command you. But then there's some really clever ones like the uh, the Lord of the Rings extended cut DVDs. Mm-hmm. If you like, uh, like if you search around, like there's like little symbols that are like in the corner, and you can find it. And you can activate a little Easter egg clip. That was another thing from early internet and dvds that is now gone which is like little hidden clickables mm-hmm. like i used oh, to just yeah. go like through episodes eggs. i used to go through like homestar runner and things just like just yeah. to click around to try to find little easter eggs exactly but yes so but pusher 2 is pretty great pusher it, 2 we open on tawny who got beaten really badly in the first one but he's in jail and he's talking to a dude and we see how nice jails are in denmark yeah they got yeah. it was it was so nice that i had to explain to the guys that he's in jail because he's not wearing any fucking special clothes he's wearing normal clothes and, it, and it's they so got, colorful in there it looks like an, a single studio apartment yeah like it looks like actual... someplace we would pay four thousand dollars a month to live in in florida <laughs> no. they have actual beds in there that look actually kind of sort of comfortable they're getting high yeah you know? they're like smoking hashish and yeah, this guy's talking about like, you know, essentially respect and how Tony doesn't have any respect. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you owe me $500. Yeah, he's in debt to the guy, right? Yeah, which is like a matter of a combination of favors and just things behind the prison cell. And like, I guess he's trying to earn some of that money back by beating up a dude in the yard, which doesn't go well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, he punches the dude a couple times and then all of his friends just immediately chase him down and just beat the shit out of him. And then yep. it's like, then we go into the opening credits. <laughs> Yeah, we get the we get the return of the the top lit uh, yeah the top lit introductions to the characters. We uh, get the Duke, who is also named Smeden, which means like Smitty. Oh, so he's like a he's like it's like blacksmith, you know? Yeah, yeah. which kind of alludes to his actual job, which is that he they steal cars and either tear them down tear them down for parts, or they just sell them wholesale. Yeah, they call that they call that chopping crider. Chop, chop. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's a very, it's, it's a very interesting like little like criminal empire that he's got of just like chopping up cars and selling the pieces, but also selling drugs out of them, and that got him into a lot of trouble with some other competition back then. But he was able to make it to the top from it. And this attention to detail, um, it reminds me a lot of Michael Mann. If you ever watch Thief, I never saw Thief. You should watch Thief now that James Caan's dead. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, we're losing a lot of good Italian actors. We lost Polly. They got Polly. Hey, man, rule of threes. We lost Ray Liotta. We lost James Caan. Now we lost Polly. All of our mafia you're, favorites. You're telling me a homemade the soup? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. You're telling me a shrimp fried this rice? <laughs> exactly. No, and um. But yeah, just this uh, attention to process, you know, mm-hmm. is very Michael Mann or Walter Hill even. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, this uh, Pusher 2 is the movie in his OVR that is the most similar to Drive. Yeah, for sure. Because they both just deal with like just the nitty gritty of criminal, yeah. you know, shit, which is like you need a car that's clean, you need a this and that, you know, and like. Like there's the bit where he uh, he just fucking randomly steals that one asshole's Ferrari. Yeah, so he's out of jail. He's coming back home to the garage where his dad is runs a chop shop, and he's like, "Hey, I'd like to get a job, please." And his dad his dad's like, "Yeah," because like he gets out of jail, and he's like, he's like, "Hey, I'm here," and his dad's like, "Okay, hi," because <laughs> nobody, as Sam said, nobody likes Tani. Yeah, because like he, I, I guess he, I take it he also has a reputation of being a junkie himself. No, yeah, he's a fuck up, which we kind of see and, in the first movie. Is like he's very annoying. Yeah, well, remember and, his dad also when when he's asking for a job, his dad's like, "You owe any money, anybody?" It's like, I always owe a little. <laughs> he says no, that. No, he said he he first he's like no, and he's like the last time you said that I had to pay two thousand dollars. Are you in debt to anyone? And then he's like, I always owe a little. Yeah, and it's like, and that and that. Just like, you know, he's just kind of fucking around and he steals a car from somebody and he takes it to the garage. Well, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't to, just... Are they going to an ATM or what? I don't know, but yeah, it's like he doesn't just steal the car. It's like this asshole pulls his expensive Ferrari up. They against both, the curb. Against the curb. They both get out and he leaves the driver's side door open with the engine running. I know, what an and idiot. And you can tell that for Tani, this is just such a snap decision. Yeah, it's like, like how could I resist? You yeah. Know? This is so just he, there. He practically dives into that car like it's a swimming pool and just takes off. And it's kind of like he's like so high up off the thrill of it that he just drives it immediately to the garage and he's like call my dad i, I stole a fryer and they're like dude these are chipped yeah like what's you know wrong they're gonna you? they're gonna come right here and he's like no call my dad and like he calls the dad and the dad's like what the fuck dude we don't just steal a ferrari if there's an order for a ferrari then we go get a ferrari you know like and that we'll do it the right way and we'll do it the right way and he's like oh it's a gift is all it's like Dude. I don't want it. Yeah. Take it back. Get it the fuck out of here get now. The fuck. And it's like, it would have been funny if they opened the garage door and the cops were just there. <laughs> so, so we're also introduced to his, uh, his, basically his stepbrother. Yeah. He's got a, well, he's got an actual stepbrother, which is, um, Val- Valdemar. 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 He who shall not be named. Yeah. Which is his younger brother who, his dad clearly has sex with prostitutes, gets them pregnant, and then is like, oh, they're fucking whores. Yeah. Because he's like, he's dating a girl right now who isn't even the father of the kid. And then he says that Tony's mom was a whore, too. But uh, it, he he hates uh, Valdemar's mother, who works in a local brothel, but he loves Valdemar. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. this this child, this boy is his pride and joy. Yeah. No, he's like a spoiled kid, clearly. Like, he, he gets all the money and everything. And, um, and also, like... Tony has a, a, a his quote unquote friend is O, uh, who is um, kind of the um, head honcho at the garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty much him and his uncle kind of running stuff. Yeah, at just the a garage. few, and there's a few like grunts and goons yeah. here and around. But but O and the uncle are kind of like the top dogs for the garage operation, at least. Yeah, and so O is like, yeah, so O is kind of on Tony's side, and uh, he's about to get married to this girl named Gree. Whose friend Charlotte is claiming that Tony knocked, uh, her, knocked up. her up, and like so, it's this interesting thing because like Tony, there's a scene earlier on where Tony's in this brothel run by his friend Kurt the Cunt, and he's watching porno trying to get hard. Yeah, he's, well, got, he's got two, two prostitutes 
but he's like he can't get it up and i'm like i and do he's he's snorting coke the whole time too yeah which is like not guys it doesn't help your dick he actually <laughs> puts it on his dick at one point yeah right like he's trying to rub the cocaine crystals into his dick which is like that does make you last longer but it doesn't make you harder mm. just so you know guys if you're doing cocaine it's not going to help you fuck better you're going to think you can fuck better but you can't I'm glad I know this now. This is such valuable information to me. Indeed. I, I was planning on doing so much. This is an instruction podcast. We're here to teach. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so like I think that because he, he keeps saying that it can't be his kid. And I think that the implication is that he's, he can't get it up with anybody. Yeah. You know, he can only jerk off to porn. But like, so he can't he can't he admit just, that he, you know he, he talks a big game, but can't walk the walk. I know it's so sad because he's like he keeps trying to get them to suck him off, and they're like, no, you got to put a condom on. And he's like, fine, I'm out of here. You guys missed out on the king of cocks. <laughs> Such a fuck boy. I know, and it's like, but it is sad. It's also it's, a little bit like a red pilly incel with the like the girl is like oh, she had this baby of his and he's and she's like no you got to get money for this baby you got to get money for us why aren't you getting money for us already yeah, I know, which is like, and she's this, not even caring for the kid all too much. Yeah, this, and this, she might have like, she like we don't know since this is all she's like stressed out as a single mother. I mean, in the this kid's environment. Al- the kid's alive. Yeah, the know. kid's alive. This this chick is hounding him down for some fucking child support payments, mm-hmm. and uh, and and also she keeps hounding him to take a paternity test to confirm, yeah, you are the father of this child, and he just kind of keeps putting it off and putting it off. Because he has a complicated thing where he really bonds with the baby. Yeah, he ends up bonding with the baby after a while. Like him and O, o teaches him how to put the. Or diaper. he teaches O how to put it. Yeah, they figured out yeah. together. Like they just read the instructions on the package to. It's, and it's O's a very sweet scene. It's O's girlfriend that makes him want to take a paternity test to yeah, prove Charlotte's it. Yeah, Charlotte's just yes, like, that's just, right. just give me money. Yeah, just give me money. That's all it is to her. And that's she's right. like, vagina number three is closed now. Like, you can't fuck me anymore when he does actually offer her money. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, everyone's so mean to Tony. And it, it, it is kind of kind of cute seeing Mads Mickelson with the baby. You know, yeah. just seeing... Okay, so seeing Mads Mickelson in general. So before, prior to the Pusher movies, my only frame of reference for Mads Mickelson is Le Chief from Casino Royale. And, um, you know, the bits and pieces I've seen of him is Hannibal Lecter. Oh, you know, he is, he is oh, Hannibal. I'm an, I'm an he a- is my <laughs> Hannibal Lecter. I'm, I'm an asshole procrastinator, and I still haven't started the show yet, but I've seen, like, images and bits here and there of him as Lecter. So it's like... And then, of course, you know, we've brought up Clash of the Titans also. He was the badass in that. I know. So he, it's is, like, he, he looks like he's wearing um, Dwayne Johnson's wig from the Scorpion King in that one. So, so it's like, you know, I know him as all these menacing or really badass Oh, don't forget characters. Doctor Strange. Oh, yes. He's Cassilius oh, yeah. in Doctor Strange as well. That's his character's name? Yes. Wow, good job, Briggs. Yeah, right. Well, I can't remember almost. I remember almost no bad guys. Dude, the, from fir- the first, movies. the first Doctor Strange is like one of my top five MCU movies. It's a good one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Let's check out the Black but Phone, yeah, directed Ky- by Scott Derrickson. Kaiselius Ky- is a really badass villain in uh, in Doctor Strange. So it's like that's my frame of reference for Mads Mikkelsen. So guard first, badasses. First, seeing him as the total fuckboy loser in. Uh, yeah, improving loser in uh, in the, the first, first one. Pusher. He's got like <laughs> it's he's like, got horrible sunglasses too, and like yeah. the, the bucket hat. Yeah. <laughs> so like oh my god, I just want to like punch the Euro you. Is trash. <laughs> the and and then seeing him here now also still 
kind of the same character, but kind of tempered after years of jail time. And exactly, getting, getting his brains fucking knocked in. And yeah. then, and then also the scenes of him like warming up to the baby. It's like, wow, this is a very different side of Mads Mikkelsen we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, no, we don't fully see the full frontal side of him either, which I'm grateful for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bullshit. Yeah, we get close to seeing that dick. <laughs> we, we get very, very close to seeing full frontal Mads Mikkelsen, and I'm glad we don't because I don't want that image in my head. I mean, he's no Kid Cuddy. <laughs> it's very HBO it, what, new. As you refer to it, the soup can. <laughs> it's like a soup can like coming out of a jungle, like a giant soup can. Oh, fuck. <laughs> You still haven't seen X, right, Sam? No, I no, haven't. We, we wanted to show him Midsummer. We're okay, go, yeah. We're going through the A24 ne- horror catalog. Ne- next order of business is X, for sure. That's, that's <laughs> a fun one. I yeah. really got it. Plus, we got the... Can't wait for Pearl. Yeah, we got Pearl, so yeah, and you will be seeing that with us in the theater. <laughs> okay. If he gets out two movies in 2022, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah. Ty West, man. But, uh, but anyways, um, so yeah, he's starting to warm up to the child. Eventually, uh, so he goes out with Kurt the Cunt to do a drug deal, and this is where we're reintroduced to Milo. Yeah, yeah Milo is, is uh, in his more professional-looking attire than we've seen him in these. Well, because well, he's out, he's not in his own place, you know. Oh, okay, yeah, I was, that makes sense. I was about to say he's in a way more polished-looking place this time too, rather than just like the little yeah. They're back at a, room they're at a hotel <laughs> where they're doing like a big drug deal for like a bunch of cocaine. So this is one of the parts when I was kind of fake in and out so what exactly happened in this scene like uh i i kept hearing about something got flushed down the toilet or like so like what well, exactly so happened the cunt was meeting up with milo for okay. some co- for good cocaine and then he was given skag cocaine which is basically lesser cocaine right yeah it's like cut with and, uh, baby laxative and shit so, oh you god know. and and so Kurt, uh, Kurt's always being on like, I gotta go to the bathroom, I gotta go to the bathroom, and it looks like he's mostly just doing it so that he can get a hit because he does that before. Yeah, because he can't sh- like, and he can't. He doesn't want to share all this cocaine with Mads Mikkelsen. He doesn't want to share his booze with Mads Mikkelsen either. Well, it's not his booze; it's the hotel mini bar. Oh, <laughs> but uh, regardless, uh, he goes to the bathroom with the big brick of skag, and then he hears a knock at the door, and he freaks the shit out, and he flushes it all down the toilet. But it turns out to just be one of Milo's guys with food for them to share. Oh no! <laughs> I know, and he's like, "You gotta give me back my money," and they're like, "No, we don't." <laughs> yeah. and, even, and before that, he was like, "This is skag. This is garbage. I wanted cocaine. I want good shit, uncut." And he's like, "Look, man, it's what it is. This and, is what's available." Okay, and Tommy so, is even like, "We can sell this. It's fine. It's easy to sell." Because he's yeah, he knows to be maybe afraid of Milo. <laughs> Well, not even that. Milo was like, "See, Tony gets it. He's a buddy." So okay, Milo's so, like arguably the only nice guy to Tony in the whole movie. Well, yeah. Milo, Milo is just such a wholesome piece of shit, though. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, and like when we get into Milo's character, it's like you can really see that he is capable of being both. You know, mm-hmm. but he's, um, a, he's a sweet guy, but he can also be a piece of shit. Yeah. So so okay, so from what I gather. Kurt the cunt. He's given money by a gangster we do not know of yet. Yeah, he borrowed a bunch of money to do a big cocaine deal. So we know. So from what I gather, um, uh, Kurt the cunt borrows money from a high-powered gangster for this drug deal, pays Milo for cocaine that ends up being shitty, and then because he's a paranoid asshole, accidentally flushes it all down the toilet. Yeah. No. And keep in mind, in all these movies, at almost all times, people are coked up. 
Mm-hmm. So they are extra paranoid. It's like I said, it's Ray Liotta at the end of Goodfellas when he's just really coked up and trying to cook spaghetti. Or uh, <laughs> or a, um, uh, at the end of Casino, um, too. Or like the Joe Pesci when he's yeah, all Joe freaked Pesci out. Joe Pesci is yeah, all, yeah, yeah. Cons- all like freaked out and he's like, I'll watch you, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... No. Okay. No. Okay. So now I get like because because so, yeah, later so that was the conflict is like he he was just supposed to do like a small job and Kurt was going to pay him to just back him up. So okay. So that's where because I remember coming back into it. They're out in the field and Kurt wants Tony to shoot him in the yeah, arm. Yeah. So they they get a they get a gun. Uh, and so th- it's important to note also. There's a lot of Islamophobia through this oh, series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of Islamophobia and a lot of all racism out there. A yeah, lot of slurs that yeah. we will not repeat. Nope. <laughs> Watch the movie, but so it is movie uh, the, it is the reality. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so from what I gather, uh, Kurt fucked up. He knows he fucked up, and so he wants to get Tawny to shoot him so that they can go to whoever gave. Kurt the money and be, be like, like oh, oh we got shot we got robbed by these people these other and people and it's like and when the they're about to do it Mads Mads Mikkelsen's like well we should say that like I fucked one of them up right otherwise it's not realistic <laughs> which is a literal like feels like a scene out of it's always sunny in Philadelphia yeah right <laughs> it's like okay yeah and I karate kicked one of them yeah <laughs> it's like sure yeah you fucked them all up we just have to stick to our story and then he's like he keeps freaking out about whether or not it's like, it would make more sense if I shot you, Tony. And he's like, no, it doesn't. So, yeah, so t- Tony shoots Kurt. And <laughs> you see a bunch of sheep in the background run away. My favorite part is, like, Tony's leaving. He's like, I'll take the car. And he's like, no, leave the car, you idiot. <laughs> he's going to make him walk home with a fucking bloody arm. He gets <laughs> he gets this gun, by the way, from uh, Muhammad, uh, who is another pusher that we get to see more of in the next movie. Yeah, yeah. no, and he's, uh, yeah, he's just a... Uh, Another hustler who's like, if you if you don't have enough money for a gun, it might not be clean, which means it may have already been used for, <laughs> for another crime. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then uh, we we get a little glimpse at the business where where Tony's working the family business where they break into a car dealership. Yeah, this is actually, a great scene. Yeah, they and it's really good. Like you see them picking the locks and everything. They have to cut the cables on the on the door on the wall so they can open it all up. They're patiently waiting one by one to go out and drive the car off the, the like. And you're nervous thinking that line. Tony's gonna fuck it up, but he doesn't. You know, he's like they're, he's composed. They're getting the all the cars, the BMWs. They're straight, and then but like the, the first guy that pulls out, <laughs> fucking hits somebody. No, no, someone hits him. Yeah, someone someone hits him. Like just to- and not just hits him, like totally t bones the shit out of him. Yeah, and later. On, you see him in a neck brace yeah. <laughs> but it's like so it's just bad luck which is like another thing in nicholas winning reference films is like bad luck mm-hmm. you know it's like it's not even your fault sometimes it's just bad luck shit happens but like so like they and like so that that gets fucked up they get all the cars and it's really cool because they take them directly from the dealership to a storage thing like a so they're immediately they're immediately like the getting shipped out yeah shit. yeah they're immediately getting shipped out but like their getaway car from the docks doesn't have enough seats for everybody <laughs> and everybody's in except Tony and and he's like, "Well, just let me ride in the trunk." And he's like, "No, they're like, no, that's, that's illegal." A, that's illegal. After, <laughs> after they just stole five BMWs. Well, I mean, what illegal thing can put and point no, to I something know. else? I always say, uh, "Only break one law at a time." Yeah. yeah. Like if you're gonna smoke weed while driving, don't speed. Mm-hmm. And if you're gonna do speed while driving, don't do don't speed. <laughs> yeah, but um. 
So and Tony, they, so Tony's like, they relent and they let him ride just well, to like, the bus stop. Yeah, they're going to give him a ride to the bus stop and he gets in the back and he's like, oh, you guys are all squeezed in like faggots, but I'm super comfortable back here in the trunk. And it's like the saddest. <laughs> the worst. The saddest. And it's like he didn't even do anything wrong, but he still just gets the shaft. So you it's like who, the perfect metaphor. It's like there's not enough room for him. You know who, you know who Tony kind of gives me vibes of is like... Eddie from Ed, Ed, and Eddie, but grown up. And oh my he's just God, a total yeah. fucking oh, yeah. loser. He's still a dork. <laughs> and he still thinks he's like a ladies man and yeah, everything. He's, he's, he's the shit, but dude, you're a fuck up. You are such a fucking worthless piece of shit. <laughs> wow. Yeah, without a double D or the muscle of Ed, yeah. he's just a loser. And he's bullied around by his family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, instead of Sarah, it's just his fucking dad. Well, no, Ed. Ed. No, no, Eddie, not Ed. Yeah. Sarah's oh, right. yeah, Ed's so. sister. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, his, yeah, yeah. Instead of his older brother. Yeah, exactly. His younger yeah. brother. Because his older brother, we find out at the end of the series, is a total fucking scumbag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His older surprise, brother surprise. Is, to- is Tony from yeah. Pusher. <laughs> but my um, brother, my brother's the coolest. You guys, he got so, a tattoo that says respect. Oh man. Okay. So then that would make Eddie Valdemar. <laughs> see it's just a cycle of abuse you know it's just never ending but no yeah turning that's, red that's the vibe that i get off of uh tony's just like he, he that total like eddie scumbag con artist piece of shit now and this is uh this gets into the interesting thing about structure of these movies the first one takes place over the course of like a week yeah and they like count it down with the days yeah and this the second like, one is like a couple of days. Yeah, they don't. They're not. They don't spell it out as well as the other two. It feels like it's just. I been think like the, maybe half a week. Well, I think, but I like think the, the last one, half of the movie though in this one is like one well, night. Yeah, the, the first the first one I think is the only one that actually logs the days as they pass. Yeah, well, that's I mean, a, that's a device that doesn't come back. Is like the day markers. Yeah. Well, you know, and then the third one is like in one solid day, so they yeah. don't really need to do that. One yeah. really fucked up day. <laughs> I know, it starts in the morning with him at his AA meeting, an mm-hmm. NA meeting, and then it just keeps going. Yeah. But yeah, so th- this is only over a few days. And, and most of it is like the night of Ul and Gris' wedding, which is like further underlining just how unglamorous the crime world is. It's like... They're just in we a... don't have a big Godfather wedding. It's like they rented out like part of a billiard hall. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a classic Nicholas Winding Refn thing. Honestly, like just like the mundanity of like grotesque ugliness of like criminals celebrating oh, and yeah. colorful like rat holes. So like the, this wedding recep- the reception though. <laughs> so it's, depressing it's so depressing because you know you have tony there and he he's the only one not dressed up too he just looks like a off the street yeah he's got his hoodie and everything and um and tony's dad the duke takes this opportunity to just uh, verbally abuse him so badly in front of everyone like, and he's like oh, oh it's like the son i never had which is more than i could say about my actual son tony <laughs> a piece of shit you're and a piece he, of shit i always took you up from jail and we know it won't be the last time you suck tony I, i'm kidding but not real not really it's important to keep him in line and <laughs> he's this whole like and tony's whoa. just getting drunk the whole time he just wants to numb this pain with alcohol and drugs the whole night yeah, he goes into the bathroom like three times to like do cocaine. It's so depressing. Poor Mads Mikkelsen just t- takes it the whole time. Did you guys ever watch Bloodline? No. no. Uh, it's a Florida crime movie, crime TV show, and it actually like there's like a whole thing where someone's doing a drunken toast, and it sort of sets off the whole thing. You oh, know, no. it's like oh my, and here's my fuck up, son. Oh, I'm I'm talking too much. You know, 
And eh. it's like, and that really um, sets events in motion. But uh, the big, the big thing to happen here though is that uh, Charlotte, uh, her name is Charlotte, Tony's supposed baby mama. She mm-hmm. just dumps the baby on him at one point. Yeah, like, and leaves it like, in the billiard room, and it's like, watch this, and she's off to go do cocaine in the kitchen with green. And yeah, and then. Kurt's like, okay, so they believed that we were robbed by a bunch of Arabs, which yeah. is like, do you guys remember the cable guy? I think so. Not when, much. Okay, so Ben Stiller plays like the twin who shot his twin, and he's yes. like, there was an Asian guy. He was speaking this language. It sounded Asian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's like using people's xenophobia. It's like, okay, so they believed it, but like, we like still it's... need more time for the money, so we're going to go to my house. <laughs> And we're gonna smash everything and make it look like we got robbed. Yeah, and so he go he goes with Kurt, and uh, they go to the apartment, and it's so funny. Like Kurt starts just beating the he's they got baseball bats, and Kurt just starts beating the shit out of everything, destroying everything. Tony goes for a TV that he can't break. He can't fucking break. It the just ting. like a, sounds like a hollow ting, <laughs> ting, ting. But um. Don't All forget, this. though, that Tony comes in and immediately just snorts the, these lines that are on the it's table. It's like, oh, like, don't do that. That's speed race laced with rat boys. He's like, oh, fuck, why do you do that? It's like, so that if a junkie breaks in, they go for that. Like, you, you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the big turning point here, though, is a prostitute comes out and fucking Kurt just nails her with the bat. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, well, we got to kill her to make it look like I was robbed. And and, and Madsen's like, ah, oh, fuck it. He just runs through well, the window. This is this is also when we finally learn he that the high powered gangster he borrowed money from that he lost is the Duke. Is the Duke? Oh, plot twist. Yeah, no, and that is like a big thing because like Tony, unlike Frank, is not really making decisions that fuck him over. Yeah, he's within this underground world. He is trying to do the quote unquote right thing. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's like he's self aware that he's a fuck up. He knows how much of a fuck up he is, and he doesn't want to be a fuck up. And he's like, his dad at one point is like, you need to set an example for your son. He's like, oh, what, like you do? And he's like, and the dad's like, yeah, like me. <laughs> but okay. um, so he he ditches out on Kurt and he goes back to the wedding and he's just trying to chill and be like doop 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 oh wait we we kind of skipped over that like he's yeah Charlotte's doing a bunch of cocaine and he's like you need to take the kid home well no so he gets back to the, the club no this, but, but, no, this is before yeah like, it's before so that because like he gets kind of ejected oh that's right yeah he, and because Kurt's like I'll tell the Duke that you know she's a whore if you help me smash up my own house but yeah so like Charlotte's partying too much they're doing a bunch of cocaine like a lot of cocaine yeah they are just fucking raging in this kitchen yeah just like the 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 brides the bridesmaids are all just doing cocaine and he's like you got to take the kid home and he's like fuck you they're like fuck you and so he starts strangling charlotte and, <laughs> you know they finally get and he spills all the cocaine on the floor and there's just like the sad scene where they're in the kitchen scooping up cocaine from the floor yeah and they're like eating it and snorting the cocaine's it going to waste. yeah the cocaine's going to waste Meanwhile, you have a screaming baby. Yeah, it's just oh man, such it's a fucking nightmare. So yeah. depressing. It really that's the Wolf of Wall Street shit right there. I remember like yeah, when yeah. he's like on uh, Quaaludes and he's in, and he's she's like strangling Jonah Hill with the phone and his daughter's in the corner watching the whole fucking thing go on. I was thinking of the part where he like fucking breaks into his emergency stash and tries to steal his own baby and then he punches <laughs> Margot Robbie in the stomach. Yeah, oh no, shit. Yeah. I forgot about that part. Yeah, that's the one scene that the live action, the real life Jordan Belfort didn't like. He's like, I did cocaine and I tried to kidnap my own baby, but I did not. 
punch my wife in the stomach. It's like, okay. You specified okay. in the stomach. Okay, Belford. But, okay, uh, Jordan Belford. I really Make sure believe you invest you. in Belford coin or whatever. The wolf wolf coin or whatever the fuck he has. <laughs> Is that a real thing? He's doing crypto. He loves crypto. Wow. It's like, wow. Shocked. Oh, yeah. You, a scam? The Wolf of Wall Street likes a scam? <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, yeah, so he um, Tony's sulking outside, and that's when Kurt picks him up, and they go to do And that's when they go and thing. do the... It's the best, the most metal line where he like he gives him the bat, and he's like, take this and go smash something in the other room. <laughs> All and, right. <laughs> and then after Tony runs off, and then... She, it goes back to the like, wedding, he just, and then the Duke is there like, hey. Hey, where'd you, where'd you go? And he's like, oh, I just needed to lie down for a bit, you know. I stepped out for a moment. Yeah, yeah, sorry I got so intense. And it's like, so where'd you go? So I just needed to lay down. It's like, so you were with Kurt, right? I don't know. It's like, <laughs> Kurt's there right now, and he's like, there's a, someone went up by his house, and there was, there was nobody there except a prostitute who had been beaten to death. <laughs> Would you know anything about that? And it's like, no. Wow. Oh, man. Is she okay? It's like, I just said she was dead. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, sorry. Poof. But man, they, I'm just so shocked. They go for a ride. And this is a very Nicholas Winding Refn moment where it's just like very green street lighting. And the Duke is like, well, you, you now owe me Kurt's money, you know, because Kurt's gone. Yeah, he just Which left. Which is like, oh, fuck, that sucks. You know, that Tony is just like, by association, is stuck with more debt that yeah. he never incurred. There's one way that he can pay him off. Yeah, he has to kill Valdemar's. Well, no, he, well he's the one that first, uh, he proposes he could go slap around yeah, Valdemar's Yeah, he could slap around mother, Valdemar's mom. Because she's trying to gain custody of the child. and Oh, yeah, and we can't forget the fact that because this is, they do bring it up here, but Tony goes to visit his mom, and the neighbor informs him that she's dead. Yeah, so that's weighing heavily on his. And mom. in this, Hard and in this scene where they're driving away and talking about Kurt, he's like, "Oh, I heard. So I heard your mom died. That's what the dad says." It's yeah, like, and the uncle's like, "Really?" <laughs> the the uncle's way he's more like, oh, concerned. Okay. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that." And the the dad's like, "Ah, she was a fucking whore. Who cares? So, like, she was nice to me." <laughs> yeah, and like. And so then it's like, yeah, do you want your little brother to grow up like you with a whore for a mom? You know? It's like And he and poor Tony's just sitting in the back taking all this abuse. But he so his his uh solution to getting even with his father though is quote unquote slapping around yeah. Valdemar's mother off. and scaring her off. Val uh, uh the, the Duke, Duke on the other hand, he's like, She needs to be fucking dead. Like I want you to kill this woman. That's how you clear yourself with me. Is you kill this woman. Yeah. So he goes to Kurt's whorehouse where Charlotte works, and this scene. No, is not the, Charlotte. The, um, uh, where um, shit. What's her name? It doesn't. Matter. It doesn't. I don't matter. think we. I don't the stepmom. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Valdemar's mom is there, and it's this scene is so red that Mads Mikkelsen like blends into the walls. <laughs> yeah. Like for real, it's just like the you, thing you, is entirely red, and he's like, "You, he's you like, said I'll get a blowjob." You said this is partially due to Nicholas Winding Refn being colorblind, right? Yeah, so apparently he can only see really vivid shades of red. <laughs> so that's why whenever you see red in a Winding Refn movie, it's very red. Yeah, but um, yeah. So, so they, we don't really know at first because he's like he's pulling the um, lamp like, cable. You know, he's gonna strangle her. Yeah. And um, he's just sitting there, and like we're, he's making the debate. And there, this is a moment that happens in these second two movies where you have to make your choice. You know, yeah. It's like, are you gonna do something horrible because you know they tell you to, or are you gonna like 
be your own man. And so, so he's like, I'm not going to kill this prostitute. Well, we don't know that. Yeah, though. no, we just we just cut away to the Duke. He's alone at the garage, and Tony Tony's, comes in. Yeah, he looks all shaken, so he's like, "Oh, hey, man, let's have a drink," you know, because he thinks that Tony. And he's like, "How'd it go? Oh, the, it went okay." Yeah, it went okay, and then after a while, he's like, "I didn't do it. I'll go back tomorrow, or we'll figure something out." And then the dad like slaps him like fifty times. Yeah. He just started, you he, fucking he, idiot. He's done. Idiot. Ver- he's done verbally abusing Tony. He's getting up to throw hands. Yeah, and he's just slapping the shit out of him, and he's like, you just think about yourself. You don't give a shit about me or your little brother. He spits into his face. Yeah, and then Tony just like sees a screwdriver and is like, well, I've had it. This is the least glamorous murder scene. But it's so so Nicholas Winding Refn, Oh, yeah, it's very, it's strangely satisfying and disturbing at the same time Mm. where he's just, just stabbing him in the side. Yeah. And the sound effects at first are just like this very just... You know, very like a, simple. Yeah, just the impact of like the slap, and, and there then, isn't like, even really killing him. There isn't even really much blood in this scene. Like, you no, see yeah, it, just a little bit at the end. Yeah, a, you yeah, see you it, on, see his it side. on his shirt a lot. Yeah, but yeah, he just stabs the shit out of him, and then he's like, so he's killed his own dad. You know, he's and, catatonic essentially. Yeah, he's all fucked up, and he goes back to O's house where Charlotte and Gree are still fucking doing cocaine, and like. There's, they're like, it's, it's at that point of the night where they've done way too much cocaine and Gree is like holding her own head because she's getting like the fucking powder brain where your like brain feels like it's going to pop out of your skull. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And like, but they still want more cocaine. They want cigarettes. They want yada, yada, yada. And like, they're just, and so Tony comes in and he says and does nothing and they just berate him. Yeah. It's like, you fucking idiot. You fucking loser. And then like. The baby mama Charlotte goes out to get cigarettes because they're asking Tony for cigarettes, but he's too he's, he's too, too disassociated from killing his dad. So when he sits down, he's like, "They're like, do you have cigarettes?" And he's like, "Oh yeah." And he gives it to Gree, and she's like, "You fucking asshole!" And then she does some a bunch more cocaine, and her nose starts bleeding. She's like, "Oh look at it now, you fucking idiot, you fucking <laughs> piece of shit!" It's like she's yelling at him for the fact that she did too much cocaine. And, and she's still in her wedding dress, by the way. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, so she, she gets up, she goes to the bathroom to take care of this, and that's when Tony finds the baby just still in the carrier asleep. Yeah, first he empties out the purses that are there because he needs whatever little money he can get because he's, uh, he's going to have to go on the run soon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he sees the baby, and like it's this moment where he just feels the need to caretake. So he takes the baby, and he runs away, and he gets on a bus and... That's where the movie ends, and we so we pan over to the tattoo on the back of his head that says respect, which up until now was a punchline. But now we're like, hey, man, respect. You also let... see the back of the baby's head, and it's like, oh, is he going to get, get a, a tiny yeah. respect tattoo? <laughs> but uh, that's the end of Pusher 2, Electric With blood boogaloo. on my hands. <laughs> with, with electric boogaloo on my hands. <laughs> electric bloodaloo. Boogerloo. Really... Don't you get boogers from uh, doing a lot of coke? But, uh, you know, it's a really good movie. Yes, you I just do. love the acting in it, you know? Like, and it, like as much of a scumbag that Tony is, he, and a loser, he really redeems himself in this one. And he, like, he's trying so hard to, like, you know, not be, be a loser. <laughs> yeah, because, like, he, he, he can never get a normal job after being a criminal. So his only choice is to go back to his dad's half assed criminal empire. Mm-hmm. And, um,. But yeah, so this is a really good one, man. You know, um, 
I just love the story. I think it's a very personal story for Winding Refn, who is dealing with the newborn while he's writing it. And debt. Lots and of debt. Lots of debt, yeah. Like, this... he became a character in one of his own movies. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this was made in, what, 2004? Yeah. So, yeah. Like, yeah. Eight uh... years after the first one. And it, he, he talks about in Gambler how it kind of feels like a failure, you know, like going home to yeah. your original one. but Which is just so... I feel like that's harsh. I know, him. but he he doesn't do that because he makes these better, you know? Yeah. He still uses these as a vehicle for artistic expression. So yeah. it's like, hey, you know, sometimes things work out. Exactly. Like the thing you have to do to make money actually is good. Yeah, you ended up besting yourself. Yeah, and like, and because of that, he became who he is now. It's so kind of like, it's it. it's like how uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, you know, he does The Man That Knew Too Much in 1934. It's a good movie, by it, a great movie, but then he goes back to it late, way later, like fucking over 20 years later, does a remake of it during his golden era, and it's like one of his best movies. Like, it's like, you know, sometimes it's not a bad idea to revisit, you retread your own path at some points. There's sometimes where it's not so good, Kevin Smith. Well, yeah. the well too much but you know he, he at least it doesn't his, work for everyone he makes his own fun out of it too though because there's some good stuff here and there i do think that um especially the next one the pusher movies would be better if they were a mockumentary yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just had talking heads every once in a while do it total office style office or what we do in the shadows yeah because you know, there's a lot more murder <laughs> but uh so let's do a rating okay no uh, well like really good drama, really good characters. Tony's really, really interesting in this movie. You know, it's just that kind of thing that I really like where it's like slice of life, really grimy, not much of a plot, uh, 7 out of 10. And also you get to see more of Nicholas Winding's rough and style in this one, in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. the, oh, yeah. The, the gross, vivid coloring. The vivid, the vivid coloring, the gross places, the mundanity of crime and the business of it all. It's just so very Nicholas Winding Refn that we see in Drive and Only God Forgives. And like the meditative moments before violence or mm-hmm. potential violence. Yeah. yeah. Very and, Japanese, very spaghetti Western. And the, just the unsettlingness of violence when it's done. Oh, yeah. It's not glorified in any way. It's not glamorous being a gangster in these movies. Yeah. So, uh, did you give it a number rating? I give it a 7 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. This was a... I mean, even though I only really paid attention to the latter half of this movie, this still feels like such a huge step up from the last one and in every way. Like, I, I don't know what all else I can say that Sam didn't already say. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Mads Mikkelsen has arrived. Before he was everyone's daddy, he was just this one baby's daddy, maybe. Yeah, perhaps. But uh, yeah, so I'll, I will give this a, I will give this an eight out of ten. And uh, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll discuss the themes that collectively gather all these as we've discussed the third one. The third yes. one really ties it all together to make a very solid trilogy. Oh God, I'm so excited to oh, talk yeah. about the third one. <laughs> Pusher 3. Chef Milo Pushardee is the beloved classic crime kingpin of Copenhagen and a famed cook of the good shit. But being so talented comes with a price, as the most busy night of his life lines up into a packed crowd of rendezvous. He has to cook a dinner for a hundred at his daughter's birthday, sell all his candy tonight, and not fall back on his promise not to do dope again, all of which he fails at. 
But Milo's not one to back down from a fuck-up. Or even a fuck-up of a deal he made to make up for the original fuck-up. No, because that's what fridges, plastic bags, and sink disposals are for. Just chopping up and tossing out your fuck-ups. <laughs> like a uh, very uh, big bunny salvia. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> So this one is uh this is the most interesting one, probably the best of the three. It's definitely oh, the there's best no probably the in the in this mix. There, this is. And what's interesting is like when I was younger, I found this the most boring at first, and then rewatching it now, I'm like, this is by far the most compelling. And um, what this reminds me of the most is um, if you guys ever watched the Safdie brothers, did you guys ever see Good Time or Uncut Gems? No, um, and I really want to see Uncut Gems. You should, I would recommend both of them. Good Time is a really great fucking Robert Pattinson performance. It's very pusher-like. Is he literally me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's literally me, too. And then it's... um, But yeah, like... like um, Good Time is about a dude who, like, he and his brother are robbing a bank, and his brother gets arrested, so he's trying to get enough money to bail his brother out, and he's got, like, a night to do it. So mm-hmm. it's very pusher-like. A little more intense. And then uh, Uncut Gems from the same directors is like a same the same thing like a guy owes a shitload of money to his brother and his ex brother in law, and like his ex brother in law is like hired mobsters to help him collect the money. Oh shit! Yeah. yeah, it's pretty great, pretty great, and like just stylistically, especially with uh, the third one because Uncut Gems deals with like domesticity and crime kind of overlapping, you know? Yeah. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so yeah, Pusher Three. I am the Angel of Death. Weird subtitle. Don't like it. Yeah, yeah, no, not that a sucks. fan. The subtitles are just like forgettable. <laughs> just Pusher One. It's just Pusher, Pusher Two, Pusher Three. Fine, perfect. And it's a great full circle because the villain of the first movie is now the hero, or the, at least the protagonist. Yeah, at least the protagonist. There's no heroes My, in these. And there's stories. no villains really. It's just it's just, it's just protagonist biz- and antagonist it's just business that's all it is yeah, my it's fav- not personal my favorite comparison is it's, i think sam was the one who made this comparison it's like you know you fight the boss at one point and it's like super op and like just like he'll murder you but then you actually get to you unlock the boss as a playable character and he's just a fucking loser yeah <laughs> it really Literally feels like that super mario rpg yeah, oh, Bowser's so tough every freaking time. Oh, now he's with us. Uh, why'd you what, are you, what are you doing? Why'd you miss that? God. Are you serious, you asshole? <laughs> yeah, so and as Sam mentioned, it's like it's a very tense day where it's his daughter's birthday. Well, is, it opens. It's her 25th birthday. It opens, and he's in like a... An, an NA meeting. Yeah, Narcotics Anonymous, and he's that's like, where we set the stage for It's like, you know, I didn't really even gather that he was a junkie in the first movie yeah you don't they don't really allude to that not my argument for that is like when someone's on their drugs they don't come off as a junkie yeah you know because they're just calm they're normal yeah he he talks about how he's just like oh i'm just taking it so that i can be calm because it's so stressful my line of work no and yeah because he doesn't he's like i work in a very special line of business i work in distribution and redistribution i work in garbage disposal i work in waste management (laughs) and uh yeah his wife was whacked by natural causes which is why he loves his daughter so much yeah he spoils his daughter yeah Yeah. and she's dating a guy who turns out to be a a dope deal he turns out to be a pusher oh 
Shit. Which, like, Frank actually makes a joke in the first movie. It's like, if I marry your daughter, <laughs> do my debts go away? <laughs> it's like, uh, at the time, depending on the timing, she might have been, like, 15. <laughs> Let's see. Oh. So it's, uh, it's seven or eight years later. They're not necessarily it's real nine. time, though. Well, so I, I think Pusher 3 was made in 2005. So she's turning 25. So yeah, she, yeah she would be, she'd be like 15, 16 or something like that. And why does she need her own refrigerator? Yeah, what the fuck is that about? Because I think it's not a... supposed to be eight years later, necessarily. You don't think so? No, nah, I think maybe it's like a five-year thing. Possibly. So she's like 20 in her first apartment or something. That could be it. Yeah. Or away at college. Yeah, something. yeah, dorm. Yeah. Dorm life. Mm-hmm. That dorm life. You know, I would question whether or not you're going to fit a full-size fridge and uh, freezer combo in a dorm room, but you know what? This is Europe, and we already saw how much more luxurious their jail cells are than over here, so hey, yeah. it's not out of the realm of possibility, I guess. No, don't. The dorms probably look like in Harry Potter where they all have four-poster beds and a roaring fireplace. I don't believe that for a second because spaces like that in old European cities are also really, really tight spaces, as we see with a lot of their apartment and living spaces. Yeah, but doesn't True. Denmark have like a notoriously awesome education system? Maybe. Wait, are we... Am I, am I wrong? They're one of the many countries that kicks our ass every year. Where's, I mean, that's not saying much. That doesn't say anything. <laughs> yeah. Copenhagen's in Denmark? Yeah. yeah Denmark they... is in Copenhagen. Oh, okay. Wait, hold on. No, Copenhagen yeah. is in Denmark. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Copenhagen is like the city, I which was... I've been to, and it's really lovely. I'm an idiot. I'll admit it. I'm an idiot. I thought it was the Netherlands. <laughs> oh. Well, they do, they do talk about... No, wait, no. They, they talk, talk about, about Amsterdam. Nor- they talk yeah. about Amsterdam. They talk about Norway. Um... Yeah, or they talk about Norway in this one, I think. It's yeah, and, like, and this one, yeah. a lot more than the other ones, deals with like conflict between different immigrants. Yeah, there's Albanian mafia now. Yeah, and like this guy is like translating for Milo and fucking him. So like, let's uh, we're getting a little high reserved. So yeah, it opens with his NA meeting, and he's like, he's setting up the scene, which is that he's trying not to do heroin, and he's trying to help cook for fifty people for his daughter's birthday, and then. He's uh, they're cutting open this car, which I guess they've gotten this car that has drugs somewhere. Yeah, in so it. we're we're back at the Duke's uh, chop shop. Yeah, they were back at the Duke's chop shop, and it's being run by Tony's uncle. So yeah. they're doing they're doing fine. They're fine. Yeah. Is, is O still around or we don't see O. Yeah, I'm sure O's busy with other. I'm sure O's anyway. busy with his awesome wife. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to get too tied down by. Uh, I don't think we need to get too tied down by a by linear synopsis though. I think we could just say, you know. They're, they're doing the business, and they find some ecstasy. A yeah, big old and, um, bag of ecstasy, which really gets into how Milo... Is the is this generational thing. Like, clearly he came up in the 80s when it was all about coke and heroin, you know? Yeah. It's very much like uh, how in Godfather, you know, it used to be about... It's about the casinos, and the unions is where we make our money. And uh, it's this new line, and these new young people that are coming in, and they're, like, dealing something completely different, and he's either too old to really follow the game or he's just not interested in following the game anymore. But he yeah. has to because it's the only life he's got and the only way of making money he's got. No, and yeah, he's he's hoping for heroin and they get a bunch of ecstasy and he's like, well, how much is it worth? And like everybody tells him a different number because yeah. they know that he doesn't know shit about new drugs. Well, that that also comes into play with the uh, the translator. Yeah, so the, yeah, the Albanians have a translator because like, yeah, they don't speak they don't speak Danish or so, Serbian. So like he gets this car from the Albanians, doesn't he? Like it dope. Yeah, and it's supposed to be heroin. It's, yeah, it's supposed to be dope. He gets this ecstasy instead. 
And so they're negotiating. He's got this piece of shit translator. Yeah, who's got like the out. brown leather jacket and the fucking kind of Hawaiian shirt. He looks like every he Eastern lo- European stereotypical he, he looks, scumbag. He looks like he'd be a antagonist in Grand Theft Auto 4. <laughs> but, yes. um, and uh, so he's trying to translate for this fucking gaudy looking Albanian it's Justin Bieber motherfucker. Yeah, he looks like fucking, Justin Bieber. Yeah, he's got the Justin Bieber haircut. He's got the all white tracksuit going on. Like, lots of chains. Yeah, lots of ch- gaudy looking jewelry, and it's it's just not a good look. And uh, <laughs> and he's tr- so Milo's trying to figure. It's like you know, I want my dope. Well, you have this uh, uh, ecstasy instead. Yeah, it's worth it's worth potentially just as much. You know, you just have to be able to sell it. So like. And so he now he's on the hook to pay for drugs that he never wanted. Well, they're, they're going to send him another car that's got the dope. He just has to sell this ecstasy in the meantime, but he needs to sell it, like, today. Yeah. And get them the money today. Like, yeah, and so he goes to our buddy Muhammad from the last movie. Mm-hmm. And Muhammad's like, hey, man, I'm the king of Copenhagen. Yeah. And Milo gets it wrong, so he keeps calling him King Kong of Copenhagen, which, which is, is so a weird. funny running joke. And and so we're at we're at Milo's little club now, where he's cooking for all for his restaurant, the, and he's also he's cooking for his daughter's birthday, but he's also cooking for his his crew. His he's goons. giving his crew the the test foods. Yeah, and, and, and they're and, talking about how it's like this meat is still raw here. Yeah, it's, dude, and he's like, just eat it. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> Such a brilliant premise because he slowly poisons all of his own goons. <laughs> yeah, because like, all of his goons are just get like horrible stomach infections or shitting themselves and he, running and fighting for the bathroom. His, his numbers are reduced to zero very swiftly. It very much is much like if Bowser like made a whole bunch of bad like shit for his goons and it's like, oh, there's no Goombas and uh, Koopa Troopas in front of me. Those are, I know, and those he never were bad mushrooms. Them. He never admits to it. He's just like, oh, they're sick for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so he's he's planning for his daughter's birthday, and he he's got Muhammad there to try to pawn the ecstasy off on him. He tries to get one of his men to go with him, but pff, these fucking no assholes! These fucking assholes! They say they're sick. They're shitting their brains out. So Muhammad's like, you can trust me. I'll go out. I'll sell this. Day. He's like, okay, you be back here in an hour. Two hours. Give me two hours. Okay, whatever. I'm going to call you. Call me when it's done. Four hours later, Muhammad is gone. Yeah, just crickets. There's nothing. (laughs) All the guys are sick, so... So, um... No Milo go. goes to the party and grabs all of his meat pies and throws them in the garbage before anybody can eat them. Yeah. And his, his daughter's like, what are you doing? He's like, it's okay. And then he goes next door to the Chinese restaurant and orders 60 pieces of fried fish. And this is when we're reintroduced to Kurt the Cunt. He comes in, he's got hair on him, and he's probably psyched because, like, the person he owed the debt to is fucking dead. Well, it's also important to note, too, that he also went, Milo also went to another NA meeting in the middle of the day. No, and he was like, he was really, he's like really trying to push down the urge to do heroin. And we're really, we're really glossing over shit in this because at yeah. some point he goes to pick up wine for his daughter's birthday party, and that's when he finds his daughter's fiance. Yeah, he's like that's when he learns that he's a pusher. Guys. Yeah, and so, uh, so yeah, so he goes to another NA meeting. 
they do this whole oath bullshit, whatever it is. And yeah, accept the things that cannot change, change the things that can't accept, and the wisdom to know the difference. Exactly. But so, where's your God now? Exactly. So he's in Holy this... Holy God forgives. He's in this Chinese restaurant waiting on his fish, and that's when Kurt the Cunt shows up and uh, lays down a little package on the table. <laughs> I know, he's like... Because he's still mad at Milo for the skag and that they flushed it down the toilet in the last movie, so... And he still he's, he still won't accept responsibility for flushing the skag either. No, because he, well, he was on cocaine and that made him super paranoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just what happens when you're on a bunch of cocaine. <laughs> and something that really gets also introduced and pointed out is the score in this one. Oh, God, yeah. It's we, got a really cool experimental score where, like, to kind of show when we, Milo's, like, brain is fracturing, it's just... Yeah, we actually have a score this time around. No, we had it's a much score more... in the previous one, too. Yeah, yeah, no, there is a score, and it's a similar score where it's about the intensity, but this one is much more experimental because yes. it's the mind of a junkie, and it's really getting into Milo's moral judgments, which we'll get into. But yeah, I'm like... He's trying not to relapse. It's a great... He's such a great character, man, because, like, you know, he, he they make it clear when he's talking about his daughter. You know, it's like, after my daughter, after my, what, my wife died, you know, I vowed that I would give my daughter anything, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, so it's like, man, you really do, you feel for, you feel for him a little bit. And it's like, Hey, fuck also fuck Frank, you know, yeah. from the first movie. It's like, it's not like he was a very likable guy anyways. Mm. It's a very Sopranos Godfather setting again. No, and I haven't watched him. a lot of Sopranos, but this, the third one especially feels very Sopranos. Yeah. Where it's like, it's not so much the glamour of crime either. It's more about the family drama yeah. within it. And no, how it just, conflicts with the crime aspect. I'm just stressed, man. You know, yeah, lots it's just of, hard to be a dad. Lots to do during that night, and as we as we kind of talked about a little bit in the second one, how the the, the time point of this one is even shorter than the previous two. This one is just twenty four hours. Yeah, a the life day. of this. Yeah, from morning to morning without so, any sleep. So Milo is now. And Milo has a little meeting with uh, with his daughter's fiance. Also, just, and he's like, "You're gonna buy drugs from me now." Yeah. Well, he tries to talk him out of doing it. Yeah, I think, yeah. At like first. you like, shouldn't do it. You it's like what support the, you guys. It's like what the fuck are you doing? Like I can take care of you guys. You don't need to be doing this shit. And, and he's like, yeah, but I'm the man of the house. I should be able to take care of my. Well, wife. he's got his own family as well. He says, you know, yeah, which and presumably is like kids from a previous marriage. So it's like, okay, well, if you're gonna do this, you're gonna buy from me then, not these other assholes I saw you with earlier. I know. And then he gives him a price, and then. Which he says is a standard rate. Yeah. But later on, his daughter is like, no, you're going to pay him. He's only going to pay this much. Yeah. So she's involved deeply now. Kitty's Mm -hmm. got claws. She comes out fucking swinging. Which makes (laughs) you kind of think that she could be a reasonable heir to the throne, as it were. No, and, you know, there's a combination of pride and disgust for him when she's like negotiating and she's like, I can just go get another dealer, you know? It's It's like, like, oh, I'd like to see you try. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. But Jesus, don't. (laughs) <laughs> but uh at some point in all this he goes and meets with the uh, the albanians yeah again. he's like okay well i don't have your ecstasy or yeah. the money he's like, got a cop on the job trying to find muhammad i know yeah he's got a dirty cop hunting for uh, muhammad for him but yeah and then it's a restaging of a scene in the first one where he's like he has to like give up his watch and shit to like try to pay off these debts you know and they're like well okay so you're you need you owe us a favor now yeah and he's like, okay, well, I mean, I'm a criminal, so what's... I, come on, I can do whatever you guys need me to do. And it's like, up oh, human trafficking. Yeah. We have this human we're trying to traffic. 
Can we keep her in your restaurant? And it's to Tony's stepmother, which yeah, is yeah. such a weird, like, cl- uh, looping, closing the loop in this universe, as it were. Yeah, so Val- you can, Valdemar's mother, right? Yeah, yeah, Valdemar's mother. So you can imagine that maybe after Kurt, because she worked at Kurt's brothel. Mm-hmm. So maybe after Kurt skipped out as the senior bottom bitch, she took over the brothel, and yeah. that's why she's in charge of purchasing the girls. And it's it's literally human trafficking where it's like she's a Polish immigrant. They have her passport. She's clearly underage. She's underage, yeah. They say she's like 17, and it's like, when's your birthday? And she's like, oh, it's today. Oh. No, no, no. They, no they're, they're the ones that are like, oh, her birthday's today. Yeah. So, and and it's, it's the worst kind of sketchy, scumbag, piece of shit people you can imagine. And no, and it's more translation thing where it's like this Polish pimp who has her. It's like, all day she wants to do is fuck. All she has is fuck on brain. Tell them that you like to fuck. And she's like, I like to fuck. And it's like poor Milo is like just off in the corner. I know, and it's like, like even though it's not her birthday, it is his daughter's birthday, so he's thinking about that. Yeah, and, and, and he serves her a little piece of cake. Well, no, so they're ordering him around, like yeah, getting yeah. drinks and stuff. Valdemar's mother eventually just tells these guys to eat shit and fuck off. Like she can, she can tell this is a clearly underage girl being trafficked, and she does not want any part of this. So she tells him to go fuck off and. They're, and they're and they're trying so hard to pawn this girl off on her, and I I like that she's hold, that, uh, she holds her ground as fiercely as she does, and uh, after that, that's when uh, they're like, hey, we're hungry, and yeah. so he goes back. Milo goes back to the party. That's when he to get food, and that's Makes when he a has a little doggy bag, and yeah, has an argument with his daughter. Yeah, and then he comes back and. That's when he gives the girl the cake. And, yeah. And we, we speculated, too. It's like, well, hey, Milo cooked all this food. Milo's food poisoned his, his crew earlier. Is he going to strategically poison these fucking piece of shit Albanians? Which, if he did, he poisoned the party while he was at it. If this food also poisons them. Yeah, True. no. Well, he serves pork to, like, the Muslim Albanian dude. Yeah. And like, like, oh, hey. you don't like pork? He's like, it's not halal. It's like, oh, I, did, I didn't know. <laughs> it's like, sure, you didn't. But the other guy does get sick. Yeah. Yeah. So so, so the, the Albanian translator, he leaves to go do something. I guess, well, they're trying to find another buyer for yeah, the prostitute. So, so he leaves. He's like, I'll be back in a few minutes. And after he's gone, that's when this, uh, yeah, this the Polish, Polish, the Polish pig. <laughs> He he runs off sick, and the girl makes a break for it. And Milo goes to stop her and brings her yeah, back Yeah, no, he brings in. her back, so he's... Because he knows his ass is on the line. No, yeah. he's still implicated, and it's like a horrible moment where she's like she's screaming and everything, and he has to grab her. And then when the pimp comes out, he starts really fucking taking it to her. Yeah, he's and, like beating the shit out of her. And then like, yeah. In his kitchen. And they were they were doing, he was snorting speed before getting sick too, right? Like oh, he yeah, had the rails no. of speed. Yeah, so yeah, Milo's now actively smoking heroin like every couple of minutes to yeah, try to stay he, calm. He's fully relapsed at this point. And it's 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 kind of a sad moment to it see. Is. Like, because he has that moment in the bathroom at the Chinese restaurant where he's he's contemplating it. And like he, he, it's like there's he no doesn't want to. There's nobody to talk to. Yeah, so and he just he goes for it, and he packs heroin in a cigarette. Yep. And he does it every couple of minutes to try and calm down. And in this one, he's he's just kind of he's kind of done with it as this Polish pimp is just beating the shit out of this girl in, her, in his kitchen, and he grabs the hammer from his bar and just beats the shit out of him. Well, yeah, because she well he's 
he's pouring boiling water on her hand from the coffee maker. Yeah. yeah. Which is so fucked up. Yeah, which is really painful. Yeah, and so, and he, so Milo, there's this great moment where it's like the music is really intense. Milo's on speed and heroin competing medications. And he's like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. And what it's do like, I do? What do I do? Do, really, I do? Like, do, I do, the right, do I do the right wrong thing or the wrong wrong thing? And so, yeah, he goes for that hammer and just fucking lays out this Polish asshole. Yeah, and, and then she he lets her get away, puts some ice on her hand, gets, gives her the passport, and she escapes. And then when the Albanian comes back, he fucking nails him too. Yeah. But it's and like, he's like, oh, fucking speed. Jesus Christ. But it's like, oh, fuck. Now I have two dead bodies on my hand. And I still need to get this fucking ecstasy or money from Muhammad. What do yeah, I that, do? That's, oh, when, so, that's when his dirty cop buddy pulls up. Yeah, with, yeah. with Muhammad. It's like, oh, thank God. The cops are here. Yeah. And so uh, he's got Muhammad now. He needs his money or the ecstasy, one or the other. And he doesn't have any guys to help him out because they're all shitting their brains out. So it's time to call in a favor, and we get the return of one of the best characters in this trilogy. Absolutely. Radovan. Radovan, who finally lived out his dream that he talks to Frank about in the first movie of owning a restaurant. He owns a pizza place. Yeah. yeah. It's really cute. Like, he's, it's, like, he's got a polo this, shirt that says his name on it in he's cursive. He's got glasses on. And yeah. He's, like, he's, he's, he's this got this older fella, like really calm gentleman. He's got Telly Savalas. That's who he reminds me of. Oh, I can kind of see that. Yeah. Telly Savalas. But uh, from, uh, he was Blofeld in Our Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, yeah. He reminds me of Telly. Yeah, okay. I finally remembered the name. But, um, Radovan's got this weird, like, scar-looking thing going on on the back of his head now, too, which we believe is... I think maybe it's a scar from when Frank hit him in the back of the head with the porcelain toilet lid. Or Uh, maybe that's just how that dude's head looks. Hey, maybe. I I mean, hey, he's shooting on... He's clearly shooting on something higher resolution than 16 millimeter at this point, so maybe we're just seeing more detail than we could see in Pusher. (laughs) Yeah, or he got all fucked up in between the movies. Hey, maybe. Pizza pizza business is a dangerous business. But yeah, no, but he's like... He's like, I'm out... This one, I think I'm out. They pulled me back in. Yeah, they have have a nice little catch-up moment where they're drinking and... Like, what do you need? It's like, I need, we need, gotta beat I up got a one problem. dude. No, he's like, I got a big problem. <laughs> Three big problems, really. And so, yeah, they, they bring Muhammad into the kitchen. And, and Muhammad, yeah, so they're interrogating Muhammad. And th- this, this scene really proves that torture is a lot like riding a bike. You never forget how to. I know, but it's also like, it doesn't matter because Muhammad's like, you guys gave me candy. Yeah. You made me look like an idiot, <laughs> is one of his lines, too. It's like, you guys made me look like an idiot in front of James. <laughs> so, yeah, like, they, it's funny because, like, the Radovan's like, do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? It's, it's like, like, no. no. <laughs> who gives a shit? Who is this old guy? <laughs> well, your name tag says Radovan. Is that who you are? It's like, oh, yeah, I guess so. But, but uh, uh and so yes, they're beating the fuck out of him. Or not even really. They're just putting the plastic bag on his head. Well, no, for, first uh Well no, yeah, so yeah, they're they're suffocating him with the bag and that's when we get the candy revelation. Yeah, where he's like, just t- go ahead and take the pills out of my pocket. It's like they're just candy and he's like, Okay, yeah, well, they like put a bunch in his mouth. He's like, Are you dying? Do you feel anything? He's like, No, it's just candy and they're like, Well, think of don't disrespect me, and they put him in a meat locker, and he's presumably still there <laughs> he's in a meat a, freezer. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to be the pizza guys. Uh, it's got to be Radovan's freezer. There yeah, too. it is. It's I know. I wonder if Radovan's employees are going to come in the next day. 
to be like, like, do we have any extra pepperoni? No, don't look in there. (laughs) What's wrong, Mr. Rad? Just just, don't. You're not (laughs) acting very rad, Mr. Rad. uh... Do you know who I am and what I've done? You're you're Radavan, the pizza man. And something that's also really great about that scene is how, like, the whole time uh, Milo was just, like, freaking out. I know, because Milo's on speed and... That's heroin, like possibly that, smoking his last heroin cigarette. That revelation for like a him. bottle opener for a soda. It's just like having a really hard time. I know it's, it's like, like falling apart for him. Nothing good pa- happens past two a.m. Of course. So like they they've taken care of the Muhammad issue. I no, think. they haven't. <laughs> but <laughs> but they're like okay, bigger fish, bigger fish to fry. So he takes Radovan back to his club, and they find the two bodies. And Radovan just immediately goes into fixer mode. It's like okay, all right. Can you so can we hang the winch from this pipe in the ceiling? Yeah, he's like looking. He's testing the strength of the pipes. It's like okay, these things these feel strong enough. Do you have plastic sheets you can put down? We need aprons and gloves. Tub. Yeah, giant tub. And this is when it becomes a lot like this Ed Gein movie called um, Deranged. Deranged, where you just see a nice detailed scene of someone getting disemboweled after death. Yeah. Well, yeah for, it, oh, first they boy, put the, is it just... first they put the tub under. So they go for the Polish guy for which they find the Polish guy's not completely dead yet. Yeah. So so, so Milo's <laughs> like, oh, let me get that. And he just grabs the hammer and just fucking. <laughs> So they, they string up the Polish dude, strip him naked, put the tub under him, and that's when they slit his throat and bleed him like a pig. Yeah, and there's a, just the great shot of the blood running over his face, like fucking, and what's it's, his name? It's very jallo. Crispin, Crispin Glover. Yeah, it's very painty blood in this one. Yeah. yeah, like when we find the Polish guy on the floor, there's just like, it's just bright red, like, like vivid hammer paint. movie blood. Yeah, which uh, works for this. I don't know. It works. It sticks out more. Seeing you know? it, it's seeing a very it. colorful movie. This one, like there oh, yeah. is a lot of color and light to it. Seeing the blood stream down the guy's face, very disturbing. Like, but and it, then it, it gets the, worse though, because yeah. he he goes, he empties out the uh, the blood down the drain, the sink drain in his kitchen. Takes the bucket back, and that's when Radovan fucking slits him up the middle and empties out his guts. Yeah, we yeah. see the guts just like plop out of him yeah i know and then there's just a disgusting moment where milo's cutting up the organs and like pushing them down a sink disposal yeah popping out of them i know and they're like they're not quite going down so you just see him like spinning around it's like it's clearly like real animal intestines that they used yeah it's just oh man these movies thank god they're not in smell-o-vision yeah (laughs) they all just smell like horrible food and cigarettes and just shit and blood and drugs so nasty this whole like this whole scene and it goes on for quite a good while no it's a very long this is literally the whole last third of the movie last third of the movie is just him (laughs) getting rid of these two dead bodies thankfully we only have to go through the one body because yeah we don't see yeah we assume then it just cuts to a couple of bunch of garbage bags yeah those four nice garbage bags lined up (laughs) yeah it's like Radovan is like Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He go he goes and gets a power saw from him to cut the bodies off and <laughs> yeah, it's a very it's a very in his bar. Yeah, he's just got a lot of tools just around. It's a very breaking bad moment. Yeah, no, and yeah, Breaking Bad kind of redoes this in a very similar way where it's just about the Disposal. mechanics of getting rid of a body. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah, so uh then it, it, it we we see uh uh, Milo it's, back home. Yeah, it's that classic thing where you partied all night and then you watch the sunrise and you like you gotta calm down and try to get some sleep, but you can't. Next to your big empty pool. Yeah, yeah, and uh, his daughter comes in and they have just a nice little chat. It's gonna be a busy, busy time the next day because he's still got 
two dead associates of one associate, and so and he still doesn't have any muscle. And Radovan's probably working that day. Yeah. And, uh, well, Radovan's done. This is his last. But uh, this is his last ride, dude. So he, we get Milo. He's standing over his empty pool, drinking his coffee, contemplating his next move, and then it cuts to black. We're done. So that's another thing all these movies do is it's like you think something's about to happen and then it just ends. Well, no, I'd <laughs> argue kind of let you fill in the blanks a little bit. You yeah. Know? It's like yeah. these characters may all be killed the next day, possibly. Yeah. You know? It's if anything, it's very much like the end of The Sopranos. Yeah, where you just don't know. Yeah, because it just cuts to black. You don't know. Tony's end, Tony's life could come to an end at any minute. It could be just another customer walking to that door. It could be someone that's gonna fucking shoot him right in the restaurant. It could uh, be any time. Spoilers. Anything. Spoilers. It's the most infamously talked about ending of all time. Yeah, even Spoileranos. I, even Spoiler even I know that. Fucking. Uh, even I know the ending of Sopranos. Does James Gandolfini give birth to himself? Yes. And then he gives birth to himself, who gives birth to himself, who gives Men birth to an American guy. Yeah. <laughs> Men pronos. And, and so that's kind of what's going on with a lot of these movies, is that Frank, he could be dead. He could he could have gotten no, away. No, Frank, Frank is 100% dead. There's no way he... No, he's 100% dead. He the could only have... time we could have heard about it is... The only time we hear about Frank being talked about is in this movie. And no, in the second like, one, where they're like, where's Frank? He's like, oh, not in Denmark. <laughs> So that could mean that he met, that he that he's out there somewhere just on the run. Or it could mean Radovan dismembered and disemboweled him and shipped his body parts to separate parts of the European Union. Yeah, this so could, we don't know. This exactly. could be a, this could be our exposition of what happened to Frank right here. You know, <laughs> it's like, hey, Radovan, we got to do uh, that thing that you do. And the same thing with Tony. Tony could be uh, off with his kid, trying to sort out his life for the better, or he's dead and the kid's back with his mother. Oh, the thing God. is, none of them make the an escape ending. with money, so yeah, it's prob- you're probably fucked if you're just on a run without money. Yeah, yeah, probably, but you know. Tony probably more so since he's got a fucking baby with him. <laughs> oh, shit. I have to buy you milk. Yeah, Do no. I need to breastfeed you? I think. <laughs> and then meanwhile, Milo, he could be back at his house, and the Albanians are like getting ready to just clean the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh... Yeah, crime doesn't pay. Like, and, I was and, half expecting an end to. Uh, eh, I won't spoil another thing. Whatever. You know, the one thing we glossed over is how terrible the translator is. Like the Albanian gangster is not at fault for anything that happens to Milo. No, he he, he admits <laughs> that it's a fuck up with the heroin. Yeah, but they're just the translator is like, can't you just sell it? You know. Yeah, and it's like the Albanian guy gives one price. Uh, the translator gives Milo a. An- a different higher price. And of course, Milo's got to give Muhammad another higher price to make up for yeah. that. So it's like, really, the the root of this movie's problems can be tied back to this piece of shit fucking translator. No, and you know, that's isn't that the heart of like all movies is that miscommunication is what leads yeah. to all conflict. It's uh, certainly, you know? it's the theme of Lord of the Rings. Theme of Jurassic Park. Yeah, you know, just like... If they had just talked to those dinosaurs instead of trying to put <laughs> them in cages. Especially in the, that, the, the first Jurassic World, where it shows that they can talk to each other. No, yeah. that was in, no, that was in the third one. The third one? No, Jurassic World, where like the Indominus Rex is like, Hey guys, let's team up to the raptors. 
Oh no, but they but in the third one is when they use that doesn't the... count. It's a stupid fucking flute, and it probably just sounds like like imagine if oh that's oh, that's stupid. Yeah, it's all stupid. <laughs> but no, it's... wait, but no, are you are you the dumb like no no no? Let me fucking finish that stupid flute. You know what that flute probably just sounds like? Imagine if someone just made a la- a, a flute out of our larynx, and it probably just sounds like it's saying duh. Yeah, don't you remember that? It doesn't can... sound like you're saying fucking words to anybody. Man, don't you remember I... that Kandarian Death Skull flute? Which sounds like a scream when you blow into it. Lombardo yeah. has one of those. He does? Yeah. Wow, and I want I want to try. And it's not communicating to fucking anybody. Man, no, I it's not. It just, it just communicates fear. I can't believe that Sam actually thinks that something in the series built upon scientists using fake made-up movie science to genetically clone dinosaurs for oh, a theme park. shut up. I can't I believe he's finding stupid something stupid in this. Stupid happen in genre all the fucking time. No, and it's, and but it is a big question, like, for a fucking, you know, stupid how, do you, how do you pick and choose which DNA you're using from the mosquito anyways? Wouldn't you just get like a really weird hybrid of dinosaurs? You also don't. Yeah, probably. If if you could, you can't yeah, you even can't, do you it. Can't, you can't take DNA from... The science is impossible. But I was a little yeah, kid. He thinks I, the flute is stupid. I think all of it's stupid. I don't like the Jurassic Park movies. What don't you get about that? You don't like them at all. I don't like any of them. They're stupid. Not see, even this the is first why. One? See, this there. is why he's actually our villain. He's the Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. It's like, wait, man. I can't wait until I force Sam to watch all three of the originals next year. Yeah, are we year. not gonna? Are we? I no, thought we'll we were gonna them. do that. No, we're no, we're going to because it's my birthday episode. So yeah. he has to. He's Look, obligated I watched, to. I watch the Scream movies. Nothing can be dumber. Yeah, he's raging on Jurassic Park like it. Oh, nothing can be dumber than Scream. We did a breakdown, and the lowest rated movie that we've seen on this podcast is Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers. Oh yeah, those are and pretty I, stupid one, too. I for one, I for one couldn't be prouder. <laughs> Uh, Paul Rudd. We need to top ourselves one day. Find something even worse than Halloween Six. I, in terms do of have to? Rotten Tomatoes rating, it, that's hard to do. because oh, <laughs> it's like the I'm audience sure and the critics something. seem to hate it. And it's so funny because I'm in these Halloween communities where they love that movie. I mean, I have nostalgia for Curse of Michael Myers because it was one of the first ones I owned. So I used to watch it on repeat with five and four. It's one of my favorite posters, the kind of blue one with the knife. It's like, man, it looks like a better movie than it is. Yeah. Which is exactly, well, no, I was about to say, uh, make a comparison to Pusher 3, but no, it's the complete opposite. I had yeah. no idea what this movie was going to be like, and holy shit, it was amazing. So, so let's rate this one. Hell yeah. I uh, I love this one. This was the best one, most interesting. Milo's a fantastic character. It's a really tense situation. Uh, not much dead air compared to the other two. No, no it's very tight. It's a very tight, even when you're Less like, events, but still more of a t- tight narrative. And uh, even when things are going on for a long time, like the disembowelment, it's still, uh, you know, very interesting to watch. Yeah. It's illustrating, you know, how fucking horrible it is to be up at 2 a.m., like, strung out on your mi- out of your mind, and you still have to clean up all these dead bodies. So I give it an 8 out of 10. Hmm. I'm going to, just like with the last one, I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. This is such a fucking great movie. So much honestly so much better than i thought it was going to be because you know like i know nicholas winding reffin i know his style and it it can be hit or miss you know nicholas winding reffin is not a filmmaker for everyone and so i wasn't really sure what to expect going into these but god damn it i loved this movie like this was so much fun this is the one out of the three I was fully awake for paid attention the entire time, and I love it so much more for it. 
And yeah, nine out of ten for me. I agree. Nine out of ten. This is uh this one um in a lot of ways feels like the first like real Nick- Nicholas winning Refn film, you know? Yeah. Like he has fully arrived. Almost. Not and enough then, neon. Uh, no, yeah, there's there's <laughs> there's still plenty of neon though. And actually in that way, uh the second one is a lot more like the later ones. Mm-hmm. That these one's... were made back to back, so you can kind of argue that in the process of doing these movies to pay off his debt he became the filmmaker that he could be yeah yeah i think he followed it up with bronson which is of course fucking dope oh really he followed up with bronson or valhalla rising one uh, or the other I, yeah i can't remember which one in the order of those were done one after the other but um, and uh we'll but, probably be w- visiting nicholas winning reffin again on here i would like to there's like some I, other i mentioned at some point i forget if i mentioned it earlier in this recording or sometime yesterday i do really want to go back and revisit the neon demon i remember really liking that one i'm looking forward to the future too like i keep hearing about how he's supposedly going to tackle maniac cop at some point which that sounds fucking awesome Mm -hmm. well he did too old to die young for amazon which is like man you know it would have been a great two-hour movie instead it's a fucking eight-hour tv show oh god oh it's eight hours i thought it it was 10 episodes i don't know is it good (laughs) some of them are um but it's like there's a lot of dead air and i fucking don't like miles teller i i hear yeah i hear some things when it comes to miles teller is trying to do a ryan gosling thing in it and it's not working (laughs) like the thing i hear a lot when it comes to that show is that you start at episode three i think is the recommendation instead of episode one which is Hmm. pretty weird yeah i would watch episode one though i don't know episode three has a really great car chase where it's an all-night car chase where literally Ooh. two guys are chasing each other until one of them runs out of gas oh shit <laughs> and it's like so it's just all night and they're just like listening to mandy you know it's like oh mandy you came and you gave without t-. and then like the bad guys run out of gas before miles teller so he just like throws the car into reverse and fucking smashes into them oh shit you know, and there's some good there's some good action scenes, there's some great atmosphere, but like some of it is deliberately like he's fucking with you. Mm-hmm. Like nothing happens. Oh. And it's like he's trying to channel Lynch, but yeah. he just doesn't do it. Yeah. Oh if, yeah, I, I, yeah Briggs, you it, don't even it's... like Lynch when it's good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh wow, he directed some episodes of Miss Marple before moving on to Bronson. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so is... yeah, Bronson so yeah, we get um after Pusher in two thousand five, uh a couple years later, we get Bronson in 2008, Valhalla Rising in 2009, Drive in 2011, Only God Forgives in 2013, Neon Demon in 2016. That was 2016? Then, yep. Oh, wow. And then 2019, we had Too Old to Die Young. So, Maniac Cop up next, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I still think a Maniac Cop remake would be fucking dope, especially nowadays. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But I, I think you should make him handsome. Yeah? Yeah. I think it's like, do the Ethan, um, not the Ethan, do the... Um, Elijah Wood? Yeah, do the Elijah Wood thing that they did with Maniac, where it's like, make him like handsome this time, and then he's just a, he's still a fucking Maniac. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Nicholas Winning Refn, I love him. I love his stuff. Do we want to go uh, ahead and rate this trilogy? Yeah, so as a trilogy overall, I would give this a solid 7.5 out of 10. It gets better with each movie. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd give this an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I, I like that we finally found another trilogy that is nothing but a steady incline across from front to back. We, we start pretty good, yeah, get really awesome as we go along, and then end on such a fantastic high note. I know, so often they're either like, the second one's usually the highlight, I find. Yeah, it's usually you know, like uh, a mountain, high, as we call it. Yeah, the mountain where it's, it's like... A, it's, a, it's usually a mountain or a valley. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like your Evil Dead 2s or your um, 
What's Great. the most obvious example? Uh, Desperado, you know? Mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back, yeah. Because uh, it's yeah. like, it's easier to do the second one than it is to do the third one. Yes. You know? Because you're just delivering on what was good in the first one, maybe. It's like Spider-Man 2 is a great example. And then the third one, fucking diminishing returns. And then a valley would be something like the Iron Man trilogy, where it's, you know, really good start and finish. And just like a okay, not as good second one. Or the Thor trilogy. Or the Thor trilogy. Yeah, definitely. But uh, I would give this one a also solid 8 out of 10. Uh, This one, like... It's kind of like Lord of the Rings in, in a way. Like it's exactly mo- like Lord of the Rings. You don't even have to explain. Each, <laughs> each movie on their own, they're really good, but all three of them together really tie into a really solid story that, that tells a, a bigger picture that I think is really, really entertaining and fascinating to watch. That and each episode, each one is kind of like tracking like the different stages of maturity. You, know, you start with like invincible, foolish youth in the first one. Doesn't want to commit... You yeah, sobering responsibilities of adult of adulthood going on to the second one, and then yeah, then it's like your kids then it's growing up, the tired settlement of parenthood and business in your older days that you just kind of have to deal with, and there's no way out of it. It's, yeah, it's a uh, you know it's a it's it's really smart, and uh, I think we talked about how there was supposedly going to be a fourth movie. Really? Point. Yeah, where Muhammad was going to become the main character. Mm-hmm. Which I would have liked to have seen what happens that. to Muhammad after being thrown in a fridge. Honestly, this is like one of the only movie series where I'm like, fucking do a TV show, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Let's I can get, see a, this let's kinda, get the Danish Wire. Yeah, I was just about to say I could be this, see this being kind of like on the level of the wire. like. No, and like we never really, we deal with cops a little bit in the last one. And, like, they're very non-glamorous, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they're all just wearing T-shirts and shit. And, like, I really would be interested to see, like, a whole story about... I'm sure there are... And I'm sure if we look into it, there's some Danish TV shows that kind of follow a similar path. Yeah. Well, you know... It's... But, yeah, Danish movies and television are some of my favorite because they really have this interesting sense of nihilism to them. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's just, like, you just... It's it's an accepted fact that life is pain. Yeah. Lars von Trier is probably the king of that. No. Lars von Trier is from Spain. Drop the ass. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, th- this was this was fun. I, yeah, I this uh, sh- turned out really good. I wasn't sure what to expect going into this one, but uh, I I had a great time with it. Um, so what uh, what are we doing for yeah, what the are next we doing episode? Next? Well, since we've done so many of these like artistic underground things with Pusher and Bakshi. We're going to double down and get even artier and even more underground. Oh, absolutely. Which is uh, why we're watching the uh, the Underground Artistic Trilogy of the Mummy. Yep. Ah, yes. Andy we're, Warhol's The Mummy. We're diving into the Renaissance up next. The Renaissance. Well, now is the Renaissance, but we're celebrating the Renaissance. We're celebrating the classical era of the Renaissance. The, the, the you know. Himbology 101. Yes, exactly. With the the mummy, the mummy returns, and mummy, the dragon emperor. Yeah. Now I love Indiana Jones, but these were my Indiana Joneses growing yeah, up. Same. Agreed. Yeah. Because yeah. like fucking fuck Crystal Skull, man. Oh no, fuck you! I like Crystal Skull. No, no, I like no. Skull the too. O'Connell oh, family. Oh, you do? Yeah, I do. Oh, awesome! Yeah, cool. Uh, Crystal Skull gang. Yeah. Temple cool. of Doom sucks. No, see, you go... fuck you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see. You see what happens? <laughs> fuck, bo- fuck both of you guys. <laughs> at least I at least I value every one of the original trilogy. Yeah. He nah. thinks the Temple of Dune sucks. Garbage. Garbage movie. 
you yeah. know? Fuck you, Sam. But then again, fuck you too, Kreider, because Crystal Skull's awesome. It's it's oh. it's Crystal not Skull's a good fun. it's not a good movie, mind you. It's, it's like it's not good. Do you it's like really it the same way you like Rise of the Skywalker? Uh, no. No, no, not in the same way. I called way, it no. Raising Skywalker, like Raising no, I, lo- I, lo- I love. I watch Raising Skywalker. Raising that show, That's what they should call that Obi Wan show. Raising Skywalker. Skywalker. Hell yeah. Raising Raising Hope, but it's Raising a New Hope. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm looking forward to revisiting the Mummy movies. This is gonna be fun. yeah. Those are fun. Yeah. Just um, I've never actually seen the third one. You know, but we... I am on a big Michelle Yeoh kick right now, so she's there. So oh, I'll yes. enjoy it. <laughs> Uh, so is Jet Li in the third one. Oh, okay. that's right. Yeah, Jet Li is the mummy. Who? Jet Li. But yeah, Jet Li's in that movie. Yeah, he's our he's our Imhotep. You yes. guys Stand remember in. when Jet Li was in Multiverse Highlander? Uh, yeah. The I one. Never watched it. But... Oh, you've never oh, seen the one Briggs? No. Uh-uh. It's oh, it's really good. This guy is like a serial killer who finds out that if he kills his alternate selves, he gains their power. Oh shit! <laughs> oh my god, it's Mandela County. But yeah, he like. He's... Yeah, he like goes on a killing spree because he's trying to kill all the versions of himself so that he become can become powerful. Oh God! But the thing is, like, the power gets divided, mm-hmm. so his other alternate cells are also getting more powerful. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. It's a good nice. movie. It's a weird one. It's got a young sure. Jason Statham as a interdimensional cop. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, in a way, it's kind of like uh... Rick and Morty. <laughs> oh, I was gonna, I was gonna say, um, shoot, that Kyle McLaughlin movie. Where he's uh, the weird... Oh, The Hidden. The Hidden. It's kind of like The Hidden. It's got elements of The Hidden, yeah. But, um... But, uh, yeah, yeah, so... so mummy, that'll be... We've, we've talked about Universal Monsters before, but now we're going to go into the, the 90s attempt to bring those things back. Yeah. But, you know... But in an action movie sense. I'm I'm all here for it. These are movies that were really important to me growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so stick around, guys. We got pretty artsy for a couple months there, but it's summer. If you're not going to watch long, weird movies now, when are you going to do it? Yeah. (laughs) What are you going to do? Go outside? It's hot out there. It's too fucking hot. Yeah. If the heat doesn't kill you, the humidity will. Or I will. Exactly. But uh, (laughs) in the meantime, as you wait for us to get the next episode out, you can follow us on uh, all of our uh, associated medias. You can go to teaminsomniac.com. Uh, you can go to our Twitter, Team Insomniac FL. You can go to our Instagram, Team Insomniac Films, as well. Oh, Team Insomniac Films dot com. Yes. And then uh, you can follow us all individually as well. It's at Cry to the Writer on Instagram. At Briggs underscore Metal Revolution on Instagram. And I'm Big Boss Tune on Instagram as well, where I'm posting arts and things. But uh, yeah, so. Uh... We're going to go fool around with some mummies up next. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, write a letter to your government. Tell them, uh, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. It's always <laughs> a good time to do that. I think that that's never going to go out of style. <laughs> <laughs>